Hey guys, this is Gail Kim from Impact Wrestling, and you are listening to the 8-Bit Suplex Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in once again to the 8-Bit Suplex here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Uh, We've got a very special edition of the show for you this week. It is, of course, at that time of year that uh, all the uh, ghouls and goblins uh, and super ghouls and goblins are out in force. Um, And uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Uh, We have a guest host filling in here uh, for Sandy uh, for the video game portion. And uh, it's going to be uh, a long time friend of mine. Uh, we go way, way, way back. Um, he's not really uh, wrestling uh, savvy, so he won't stick around for that part of the show. So we'll lead off with video games for the first time ever, which is kind of exciting. Uh, I'm going to introduce uh, my good buddy, uh, Mr. Lane Farman. Lane, how are you tonight, buddy? Good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm glad to, glad to be here, and I need to... I want to learn more about wrestling so that one one day I can be on that part of the show too. <laughs> we'll, we'll work our way up to it. Uh, Lane, you did uh, attend WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans with me. Yes. Um, and I think uh, we had a pretty good time. And, uh, you know, we watched some classic matches during that trip to, to kind of to uh, get you uh, more acclimated with the product. Uh, and you watched uh, what was, I believe, Cactus Jack's debut in the WWE. And uh, you've been kind of in love with Mick Foley ever since, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, that love has just grown, you know, I, I follow him on Twitter. Uh, and then I watched that movie that there was like this documentary that it was called, like, I don't even remember, like, uh, something about the mat. Uh, beyond the mat. Yeah. 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 And then Mick Foley's like a big part of that movie. So now, yeah, that's, that's great. I want to, I want to get like a cactus Jack, uh, some sort of merch or paraphernalia, but yeah. Yeah, no, definitely uh, cactus Jack or, uh, you know, uh, dude love or, or, you know, mankind, you know, uh, Mrs. Foley's, Mrs. Foley's baby boy uh, is definitely uh, one of uh, our all-time favorites here on the show. Um, he actually does show up on Impact, which is the show, of course, that we uh, cover. At least it was TNA back in the day, Total Nonstop Action. They've now since changed their name to Impact. Uh, but if you're listening to the show, you probably already know that. Uh, that's more educational for Lane's purposes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, so we can so we can continue to work our way up to, to getting Lane to talk about wrestling someday. Um but yeah, so uh, Lane's here. We have uh, we you know we're kind of coming up with this uh, different ideas uh, to talk about video games uh, right here in the holiday season. Uh, of course, we kick off our holiday season here in uh, the United States with uh, really uh, with um, Halloween here. So with Halloween coming up, we are going to talk about uh, and now this is uh, we're normally a podcast of positivity. <laughs> you know, we, we don't normally talk down on, on our subject matter here. Um, but you know what? It's it's Halloween. Everything's upside down. Black is white. White is black. You know, the the, uh, the magic is in the air lane. So uh, we're going to talk about games that are so bad, they are, in fact, scary. Nice. So, I like that. Lane, uh, I had Lane. Uh, for those of you that don't know Lane, uh, he is... Uh, someone I consider to be a, a video game aficionado. Uh, at one time, the only man I knew that had a bigger video game collection than me uh, probably still does, as as mine has, has kind of dwindled over the years some to a, a smaller uh, uh, smaller amount. But uh, Lane uh, at one point had, uh, what did you say, about four bookcases worth of video games? Yeah, they're actually – so just 
recently, a couple months ago, since we just had a baby, you know, he's seven months old today. And my wife and I, you know, were negotiating about, you know, where that stuff was going to end up. We actually just had to get a storage unit for it. So now all that stuff is in a, is in a little climate controlled storage unit. So it's actually much easier to access. So, so back in the good old days that you're talking about, everything was plugged in at the same time. I had four different splitters so that, you know, if I wanted to play the Sega Saturn and then, you know, the 3DO like right, right after, you know, or whatever, I could do that. Now it's it's more of a long process, but all that stuff still exists. So yeah, I don't know how many bookcases, but it's at least one five by ten storage unit right now, <laughs> which is uh, you know it's it's impressive. I mean, it really is. Uh, you know, I know uh, Lane and I used to go uh, and hit up the uh, local uh, flea markets and and try and and see uh, what Redneck had brought out a, a blanket worth of stuff that he had no clue what he was. Try and get a good deal out of it. Uh, and you did at one point, Lane, if memory serves, uh, find an extremely rare game on a blanket that a redneck put out, and he had absolutely no idea what he had. Yeah, it's one of the best days of my life, actually. It was because that's still the the crown jewel of my collection, uh, Spider-Man: Web of Fire, which could totally be on this list, actually, because that game is horrible. But uh, it's not good. No, no, not at all. But the game is worth almost a thousand dollars now and i bought it for three so and and as you know <laughs> right. when i was in when i was in high school uh i knew of it about it because back in those days i would you know be looking on ebay every day and and trying to snipe these you know lots and everything so i i very much knew what was worth something and what was not i'm a little rusty now but like once i saw that like i thought it was i thought i was dreaming like i couldn't believe it you know so that's still one of the best right moments of finding something in the wild and it was like complete in box manual everything yeah so that was that was Which, great uh, yeah I, I, at that point i mean we're talking this is like uh in almost in the 20 teens at this point i would imagine and to get a, a game that was for the 32x uh that was released and i'm looking at this right now it was released in january of 1996 yeah. Uh, which at that point, I believe we already have the Nintendo 64 out. We might, we're pretty close to the PlayStation if we don't already have it. Um, so Sega was trying uh, pretty much everything. And I think the Dreamcast, if I, do you remember when the Dreamcast came out? It's right around that, this time. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I know that like the Saturn had to be between them though. There's kind of a weird thing. Cause like then there was the Saturn. That was one of the reasons why, they kind of stopped making the three, two X stuff so okay, fast, there you go. Yeah. but then they, they gave up the Saturn really fast too. So all that stuff is real close together. Yeah. So the Sega dreamcast was 2000 and, uh, or not 2000, geez, uh, 1998 in Japan, 99, early 99, uh, in the U S and then the Sega Saturn was already out, um, in North America. It was May 11th, 1995. And so Spider-Man Web of Fire was doomed before it started yeah, oh, um, yeah. coming out uh, in 1996 uh, and almost a full year after the Saturn, uh, which was the superior system, uh, was on the market. Uh, but that's, that's say, um, yeah, I mean, to, to come across in in, uh, in Largo, Florida, Spider-Man Web of Fire on just a random blanket uh, in, in an outdoor flea market is uh, – which is unfortunately closed now uh, due to COVID. I know, um, man. Uh, which you know was a longtime staple of the area. I I had heard of people coming from up north specifically to vacation to visit the Wagon Wheel Flea Market in Largo, Florida. Um, which I guess uh, growing up 
uh, less than 10 minutes away from Atlanta. I think I probably took it for granted some. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I used to, I used to work there. I used to cut onions for them. I and, used to take uh, you to that job. <laughs> I know, I know. And, uh, I used to say, and I'm still, I hold to this now that I would rather spend a day at the flea market than Disney world. Like easy, not even close, not even close. I might disagree with you on that one, but I would say uh, that you would definitely spend a lot less money at the uh, flea yeah. market as long as you're not uh, buying euros uh, because you right. have to pay for some medication afterwards. Yeah, um, seriously. Because uh, euros <laughs> with uh, tzatziki sauce in 102 degrees and, and a July day is, man, not great. Um, yeah. But anywho, so you know, when we start talking about some of these games, uh, why don't you – Talk about uh, Spider-Man Web of Fire a little bit. Uh, now that we've brought it up, and you said it sure. kind of belongs on this list here. Uh, now, I mean, most Spider-Man games of the era was, was were pretty much the side-scrolling beat-em-up games. Yeah, and this is pretty much the same. Now, now I'll I'll talk a little bit about Spider-Man, and then I'll kind of transition into another three-two-x game. Sure. Because uh, I never played, so I was like scared because because I had just come across this game and I knew that it was worth a lot. I, w- I was like, do I play this? You know, uh, it wasn't sealed or anything. It was just in the box. And <clears throat> as a collector, I, I'm of, of, you know, music and of games. I'm, I'm very much of the, of the mindset that like, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. You know, like I, I, I don't really collect things that are sealed in box because like, if I have it, I sort of want to play it, you know? Sure. But because this one was so much worth so much more than some of the other stuff I had, I was like, I don't even know if I want to do that you know but i did and and i couldn't even get past like maybe the first couple screens just because it was just it wasn't fun (laughs) and yeah like like what you're saying it's like a side scroller it actually so another thing i guess you you said you've already talked about batman forever in on this podcast before right but it's it looks kind of like that game where you could tell that they sort of did the mortal Kombat thing where they tried to like animate maybe with some right that uh, very early motion capture uh yeah technology yeah yeah. So all I remember about Web of Fire is that it uses that. The the enemy types are not um, they're they're pretty like uh, generic and it feels slow, you know. Um, so, I mean, as as a Spider-Man game, you know, it doesn't really feel like Spider-Man because you're just kind of like slowly walking from from thing to thing. I got you. Uh, but but I think so if we're going to talk about the three two X, though, we have to talk about Corpse Killer, which is the next uh, the other thing. I'm yeah, let's go right into to Corpse Killer here. Now, Corpse Killer is, uh, you know, if, if you stepped into any arcade uh, in the mid 90s, you were playing games like, you know, Area 51. Uh, you were playing games like Time Crisis, uh, you know, what would be called uh, rail shooters. Right. So uh, basically uh, to set the premise uh, for those that may not be familiar with a rail shooter, um, you basically uh, you have progressed through and you shoot everything on the screen. Um, the difference with a, a home console version is that you're not pumping quarters. And it, that's really what those games were designed to make. They were designed to make money. Um, so with the, the home uh, release here of Corpse Killer, uh, this one is a little bit different because it, it is, it, it's, I, I've played this with you a few times and I'll let yeah. you get into it some, um, but it is, uh, can you even say graphics? I mean, it's not really graphics. It's just so it, it was trying to Sega at the time was trying to release a lot of those full motion uh, video games or FMVs as we call them, and they decided to mix that with a rail shooter here. <laughs> it's and, like it's like an unholy match, like <laughs> yeah. And, and so this was developed by uh, Digital Pictures, um, and I'm looking, you know. 
digital pictures um it's of course the same company that gave us night trap yeah uh, i was gonna say i've never played that but that that totally would be a great like thing to go on a so bad it's scary list. yeah absolutely i mean you could pretty much i, I think you could fill a, a so bad it's scary list with nothing but uh smv uh or not smv it's uh, god uh, fmv games yeah um because uh they they really did not work for the most uh-uh. part um unless you you know you want to talk about some of the the really cartoony ones um but yeah so same same <laughs> for those that are familiar with night trap same exact people decided they were going to make a rail shooter using their same fmv technology <laughs> yeah and i i love fmv because of how like weird it is cuz cuz it's one of these things where they were trying to do something that they just had, they, they weren't even close to having the technology to, to do, you know? So right. it's almost like, it's almost like a virtual boy level mistake where it's like, cause, cause I, I think it's a great idea. And actually there, there might be one or two that are actually good. So there's um wing commander three, which is starring Mark Hamill and John rise Davies uh, is like a FMV game. That's like great. So, right. I mean, they did yeah. pull it off. You know? Well, that's also because they, they actually, uh, got good actors to be a part of it right and, and you know for those that aren't super not familiar with fmv games they are people that are hired to act in these games um and basically shoot every scenario uh as a scene and then the choices that you make change what happens in that scene and that could be based on inventory items that you have or don't have uh how slow you are to react to something um, but then this one is straight up just, just shooting zombies. Yeah. And like, and what's weird is that, is that this one and some other FMV games that are like this, there's, there's a lot of pretending like you are the main character. And so there's a yes. lot of people that are like right in your face talking to you that, and, and, <laughs> and like telling you to do things. And it's very like this one, especially is very B movie esque too, but so there's these like cutscenes that are, I, I mean, they're really fun to watch. They're funny. They're really bad. The, the acting's horrible, you know, but then the actual gameplay, it's still kind of an FMV thing, but it's almost like a slideshow. It's like, so you see like a picture of a zombie. Right. That's, that, that, that actually exists. Like someone actually had to like dress up like a zombie, I think. Right. But then, then they run it through several frames of like attacking you. So it's just a, it, and it looks really strange, and it's and and it's hard to to know where they are and the friend. It's just a really strange experience. Yeah, and we saying, and just to step back, you know, like you're talking about, like you play uh, as a unnamed marine in the game, where you're just kind of you know helicopter dropped into an island because God knows why. Um, and it, it reminds me too, and this is a game I, I played a lot of, and I won't get too much into it because uh, it. You know, probably could be saved for uh, an, another episode, either for Star Wars games or for FMV games or for rail shooter games, because it was all of those. And that's uh, Star Wars Rebel Assault. I don't know if you ever played that one. I like that one a lot. <laughs> it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, but you literally play a, a, as a young pilot going through uh, trying to uh, get through the uh, Rebel Academy and learn how to fly your ship and everything. Um, but your name is Rookie One. That is <laughs> so completely unnamed. And if you think that people aren't going to call you that by that name, you are wrong. Uh, <laughs> they will literally to your face, and not as a call sign. Uh, they'll call you Rookie One to your face uh, when you're like riding speeder bikes, like Rookie One. What are you doing here? 
And uh, you know what? Hey, listen, hats off to those actors because, uh, damn it, that, I mean that's a paying gig, so you can't you can't no. uh, can't knock them for that. You know, I would I would love to talk to someone that was in Corpse Killer. I mean, so a couple things I sure, have to yeah. say about uh, about the one is that there's a version of this game that I have that I really love because it's a Sega CD 32X game. So you have to <laughs> right. actually you actually have the Genesis, the Sega CD, and the 32X to play this. I don't know if that's supposed to make it better. I think they advertised that it was it was like the, the powers combined of these two systems. Right. Uh, but I think there's only two. I think Fahrenheit is one, and then Corpse Killer are like maybe the only two that were released as a Sega CD 32X game. Uh, that might. Be, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That and then the other. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing is that uh, my friend and I were playing this game, and the C button, um, like crashes the game and sends you to the title screen. Like just by pressing yes. C. So, so, so they forgot to, well, you know, when there's three buttons, the program lane, I mean, <laughs> you've spent so much time programming a and B. I mean, programming the C button. Like, come on, man. Like well, they're, not, they're not, they're not a big name studio here. Well, yeah. And it's like, it's like you always are like trying to figure out what button does what. And so you're like, Oh, a does this B does this. What does C do? And then it crashes <laughs> then it the game and sends game. you back right. to the, and it takes you a little while to figure out what's happening, you know? And then, so when we figured out that C like, like breaks the game, we like lost it. That was it. That, that like made this game go on this list. That was like my favorite thing. Yeah. So, you know, and when we, I do want to mention too, like, as we're, we're kind of going through these games, these are games that we have firsthand experience with, uh, games that we've tried to play, uh, numerous times and, uh, it just never worked out. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, they, these games don't necessarily show up on the big, you know, uh, the angry video game nerds. Some of them may, uh, I think one of them that, I, that I'm going to talk about is, is some that's gotten some notoriety, uh, but it's one that I literally I bought at a, a used video game store and was super excited to try it, give it a try. Um, and I, maybe I'll go to that one next. Yeah, um, go for it. But but yeah, so these these are not you know you're not we're not going to talk about Superman sixty four. We're not going to talk about E T. You know, I mean, God, uh, there's been what seventeen documentaries about the E T video <laughs> game, right? Like whoever made that game, he's gone beyond embarrassment to. I'm going to cash in and tell my story to as many documentarians as, as they want. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you want to hear about E.T. on Atari, just it, listen, by all means, uh, go right ahead and uh, and do that. Um, before yeah, we move I, on, I do want to point out that, yes, Fahrenheit is a 32X uh, CD game, but they also released Night Trap for the C- Sega CD 32X. No way. And they also released a game called Supreme Warrior, which I'm just now uh, finding out about. Uh, just now, as I'm looking at, and uh, it 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 literally looks like um, first person hand to hand combat, um, but full motion video, and it wow. looks unbelievably um, unbelievably bad. That's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna throw this to you in the chat. Uh, so yeah, you, yeah. You I will buy that. I want to. I like. I want to like, buy that right now. I, it is, and it and. and it has a release on the Sega CD first, um, and, and it's just it's just a bunch of like uh, stereotypical Asian characters standing around watching you fist fight people. It is, <laughs> uh, wow, that's uh, you know what? Throw that onto the list too. Yes, uh, because the the fact that somebody thought that was a good idea is uh, oof. Yeah. 
Not great. Not great. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna buy all those CD three two X games because that's <laughs> I, I well, wanna have those. You, you got one out of uh, four, so yeah, yeah, you got yeah. you got some work to do. Um, but the game that I mentioned that I'm gonna talk about here. Oh, and before we move on, by the way, uh, Corpse Killer uh, was remastered for the PS4 uh, eStore, and I believe also for the Nintendo Switch Online Store. Inexplicably, uh, I, but I think Nightwalk also got, or not, not wait, Night, Night Trap also got that same uh, kind of treatment where it's now showing up like it's cool to be so bad. Um, Night Trap's so supposed think, to be fun though. That one is supposed to be fun to play. Uh, well, yeah. I, yeah, I never, I never got too much into it cause it's, it literally, it freaked the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> yeah. So it, like, you know, those like little, uh, the slow motion vampires, uh, cause I don't know, man, it's just nonsense, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll move on from there. <laughs> <laughs> from slow motion vampires. <laughs> yeah. From slow motion vampires. We'll go to slow motion idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, uh, the three stooges on the Nintendo entertainment system. Um, it, this is a game, uh, that came out on a lot and I do mean a lot of systems. Uh, the one I played it on is the Nintendo entertainment system. Uh, but if you were so fortunate, uh, you could have played it on the game boy color. Actually, nope. Sorry. That one was canceled. They never put it on a game boy color because why would you, um, but they put it on the Nintendo, the PC, the Commodore 64, um, and it's even showed up on, on things like, you know, the Apple II and the Amiga. So um, it is actually published by Activision. And I, and I say that to say Activision games are normally good. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's something where they, they published it for the NES. So they took the original game and just tried to port it over and, uh, Man, it is just – it is completely unplayable. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and they, you, they try and reenact, you know, famous Three Stooges gags and, you know, oh, you know, they walk under a ladder and, you know, smack their foreheads. And it's literally just – I mean, it's so – it's just so bad. I, I mean, when I say, like, you can't play it, like, you cannot play it. And it's <laughs> – and there's a randomized level selection, right? Oh, so you don't even get to choose what level you play. You don't oh start goodness. at level one. You're playing different scenes, right? So like, there's a boxing thing. There's, you know, like, oh, it's just, it's so, it's, you know, and they're supposed to be based off of Three Stooges episodes. Right, which right. You, you and I are both big Three Stooges fans. That's, I mean, that sounds, I, I mean yeah. that sounds great. To, that sounds great. I mean, yeah. I just assume everyone's a Three Stooges fan because how could you not? But, right. Well, I mean, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed the three studios. I, I watched a lot of it a long time ago, but I haven't, you know, I'm pretty rusty, so I don't remember a lot of it. But. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think it was anything that was uh, inherently problematic for the time. Uh, thinking back, you know, so it's not, I, I don't think I have to like say like, oh, you know, I have to watch this through 2020 eyes now. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, man, it is. Oof. I'm trying to think of how you would make a good three studios game. Like what would you... You know, because that the concept like of doing different episodes might be fine, but but like not in that weird mini game. I don't even know. Yeah, kind of way. yeah. it's it's it, yeah. I don't I don't think you can. Yeah. And 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 but there's this is also during a time right in the late '80s, where every video game publisher was trying to get their hands on uh, naming rights. So. 
of course, and this probably started, you know, back in the ET days, you know, I mean, it, it did start back then. It wasn't necessarily, ET wasn't the first, I don't think. Um, but there's tons of games that are just piss poor, yeah. horrible games that, that are completely unplayable. Um, but they carry a, a, a name on it. Right. Um, you know, uh, Jaws comes to mind uh, on the NES. Of course, famously published by LJN. Yeah, right, um, right, right. LJN, obviously, were the masters of that. Uh, yeah. Just gobbling up every single, you know, every single thing they could. Um, and, and just pushing just, oh, absolute garbage. When did you spend a lot of time playing the Three Stooges? Like, did you put a lot of hours into that? I probably played it for off and on probably about like two hours total. Oh, okay. Um, okay. okay. But now that doesn't sound like a lot of time. Um, and certainly, I mean, I was playing it probably in, in like, I'm probably 16, 17 years old. Um, but I paid like six bucks for it, which, you know, yeah. listen, I, I understand that's not expensive for a video game. Uh, but in 2007 for a, you know, game that came out in 1987 to play six bucks and not playable. It wasn't even like it's rare. Like I was just like, I didn't feel like haggling. I just was like, whatever. Right. Yeah. I bought it. And, um, it, it, it's just bad. It's just, you know I, some, I mean, yeah. You know, some kid paid like $60 for that, like probably back in the eighties or nineties. Oh yeah. I mean, could you imagine like if you go back and, and play, like all these different games that were, you know, you think about like the era of Blockbuster, like you would get to pick one game. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Unless you're rich, you know, if your parents are rich, then you got two games, right? Or if your parents just do like, yeah, that's our entertainment for the weekend. You know, some, you know, listen, everyone views their entertainment budget differently. In my house, it was you choose one and you're lucky if you get one, right? So, <laughs> so it was like, um okay yeah I'll, I'll pick this up and i i've certainly rented games and there's plenty i'm sure that i i cannot think of uh today but i'm sure i've, I've rented plenty of unplayable games oh yeah yeah and, I, feel, I feel like on the nes there's a lot of, of that you know like and there's a lot of unplayable games now too but i mean and you would never know you know that the three stooges would be or, or back to the future is another one that's like really bad where you'd be stoked to, to pick that up and play it and then just come yeah. home and, and it'd be so awful. Yeah. I mean like, and, and think too, like at the same time that was happening, there were companies like Capcom licensing the little mermaid. Right. Right. And I will tell you this, and I'll state this on this podcast for everyone to hear the little mermaid is like a top 10 NES game. Oh yeah. I like full on. It is. Uh, it's like, uh, it's a, uh, what's the phrase I want to use? It, it's obviously, it's a, a side scrolling, almost like a platformer. Um, but it is kind of like that on rails shooting type thing, but you can go back and forth. So it, it's a, it's a, a four way, uh, movement, uh, side scrolling game with your shooting projectiles as, as Ariel, the little mermaid. And it's absolutely that awesome. Amazing. That sounds yeah, awesome. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say it is like far and away, like, it is so good. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, on the Super Nintendo, uh, Capcom did Aladdin, which I think is like in the top 10 Super Nintendo games. Yeah. No, Aladdin was really good. Um, and is, what's funny is too, is they actually, and not to get off on a tangent about licensed video games, 
um, which we've already done. And, and, <laughs> which this is going to happen. And, you know, fair, fair warning, and maybe I should have said this at the top. Uh, Lane and I don't. This is historically accurate for us that we will just start on something and just bounce around um, because <laughs> yeah. that's just that's how we've always been. It's, it's just my fault, it probably. I don't know. Eh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's my fault too. You never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Capcom also did uh, Ducktales. Yeah. Um, and I did they do? I don't think they did Lion King. I don't know. Think. No, I don't think so. No. They did so, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. They did Virgin Tales Interactive Spring. did oh, okay. Lion King. Okay. And I think they also did Toy Story also. Yeah, those are not as good. And those are not as good. They're not. They're they're a lot more unplayable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's even a game, uh, Adventures in the Magic Kingdom, that Capcom put out. So Capcom was working pretty close with Disney. Uh, definitely go check out those games if you want to play yeah. a licensed video game. Stay the fuck away from the Three Stooges. Seriously. So, Seriously. <laughs> Yeah. Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> it's it's like even if you see it for like ninety nine cents, uh, just you know, hand the hand the clerk five bucks and punch him in the face. That's there you more, go. That's a better use of your money. That would be Except, very Three Stooges esque too. That'd be a Three Stooges. It, well, yeah. Make, here, here's just hold out your hand and say pick two, uh, and then poke him in the eyes. There you um, go. But maybe not during uh, COVID. Maybe wait until that's over. So you're not yes. you know. Yeah, no. Three Stooges would be a nightmare in COVID. I some I don't even want to. Someone, yeah. Someone there would just make be that. so much like uh, mask, mask snapping off the face. Yeah. Like, Why are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. It's built for it. That's amazing. It pretty much is. <laughs> it, you know, there's some gag where they let it slip off their ears and the elastic snaps the guy's hand. Ah. Yep, 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 yep. I don't know. There's there's only so many jokes you could do with a mask. <laughs> But you know, what? I'm actually going to use that as a segue uh, to the next game that, that you came with here, Lane, and that's uh, uh, Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker oh, on the yeah. PlayStation One. That's a good one. So this is not going to be on any of those like worst games of all times list because this is personal. This is like a personal vendetta. So you know, I was so into Batman, you know, when I was in high school, and I. I loved all the Batman movies. I didn't think any of them were bad. Like I love Batman forever. Batman and Robin loved them like completely unironically loved them. Sure. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Batman beyond comes out and that's actually really good. Like Batman beyond is, is really good. It's not as good as the, you know, Kevin Conroy animated series, but it's like pretty good. And the return well, of the Jokers. Uh, Will Fordell is, is, uh, is fantastic as, as, uh, Terry, uh, McGinnis, oh, yeah. the, Absolutely. the, uh, the future Batman, uh, or the Batman from beyond, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember much about the, the show really now, but I remember watching return of the Joker. I think we got it at the video store and I just remember it being amazing. I remember just being so into it. Uh, so then, you know, when I saw that this game and a lot of times they'd advertise these things together, you know, you like the movie get the game, the game was probably even advertised in the trailers of the thing that I was watching. It's one of those games that has the same cover as the movie poster too. Yes, uh, it, it is identical. In fact, when I, when I put it in the Google search, the nothing came up about the game. I actually had to write in video game into the search bar because it is the exact same name, the exact same poster. Um, and before I let you get into it, I will say I actually did rewatch this like within the last three months uh, because HBO Max has all that. Uh, I get HBO Max for free with my phone subscription. So, that's, nice. I mean, 
as I think that's the way that they're getting people to sign up for oh, it. Definitely. Um, Absolutely. And it's certainly no, uh, no thanks to John Oliver constantly ragging on uh, HBO max, which is great. Yeah, that is um, great. But yeah, no, uh, it, the, the movie definitely holds up. Uh, yeah. Now, if you if you've never watched Batman Beyond and you don't know why there's like hybrid animal people running around, uh, the splicers, uh, it will confuse the absolute shit out of you for like forty minutes. Um, but it is it definitely holds up very well. That's awesome. Yeah. And so as a kid, I mean, it's actually good Batman, right? So I've been watching these bad Batman movies and loving them. So now it's like a really good one. So like it's blowing my right. mind. And the cool thing about and and I'll get into why the game is bad, but I I just remember that. There, you have this feeling when you buy a new game, and I was really looking forward to this game too. You know, where where you get up in the next morning after you played it, you know, the, the day before, and you're like excited to to play it again. You know, you're like, oh, I gotta get, you know, you right. know, playing that game again. I just remember like it was yesterday, like playing this game and then getting up the next morning and like just wanting to do anything except for play this game again. (laughs) I remember I wanted to like it so bad and I wanted to wake up and I tried to like simulate that feeling. And I was just like, I do not want to play that. But I I think that it was the kind of thing where I've made myself and I made myself play it. And I was trying to like it so bad that, that I just played hours and hours of this game. And I would even make my friends watch me play this game because I wanted to show them, you know, this game and everything. And, uh, you know, all the stuff that's cool about Batman Beyond, you know, it's Batman, but he's got like jet propulsion and stuff. He's like, right. he's a lot more mobile. It's a lot faster. It's sleeker. Uh, just all of that is like the opposite of how this game plays. It's sluggish. It's slow. It's repetitive. It's like, um, basically it's like a beat up, like Final Fight or something, but it's with fully like 3D, you know, figures. And so the movement's not fluid. And so it's like this weird, it's kind of, there's a few other there was a game like the crow that was kind of like this too where it's like trying to do this final fight or golden axe or like side scrolling beat em up kind of thing but using 3d characters and it's just terrible and it just doesn't work and and yeah it was just a slog now, of the game and what's interesting too is that you can actually switch between suits in the uh, nintendo 64 and playstation versions and i i point that to say the game boy color version uh, does not get uh, any kind of uh, suit switching or anything like that because it's Game gotcha. Boy Color, obviously, so there's some limitations. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I think games started playing around with that uh, kind of different loadout, right, to do different things. Um, yeah. And in a Batman game, it makes sense, right? I mean, Batman himself has had many different suits, and they have different things. Um, but, yeah, I don't think any of it uh, worked very well. And it, the game uh, was published, actually, by Ubisoft. Um, which is kind of a shocker that they would make a game that doesn't work because they, they, I mean, they hit more than they miss. Um, there's a funny review uh, when they're talking about the reception of this game. Uh, a writer named Greg Orlando wrote, uh, he gave it one star out of five and wrote, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Ubi Laid an Egg. Oh, so, nice. yeah, uh, which of course, you know, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Uh, I don't know about you, Lane. Uh, but that was the Christmas carol of choice uh, as a child for me because singing traditional Christmas carols with my family and enjoying all the Yuletide blessings was not a thing that I cared about as a child. I would much rather sing parodies and – Oh, know, absolutely. Which is probably why Weird Al was the only CD I listened to when I was eight years old because – No, that's great. <laughs> and actually, I mean I still listen to them, so I guess not, not much has changed. No, that's amazing. Yeah, and no, I, I remember that. I remember those those songs. That's great. 
Uh, I need to look up bad reviews of this game because I don't think I ever have. And I think that it's a lot, it's been a long time coming because that was, that was a big disappointment. I mean, I still feel that. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult because, you know, and, and, and uh, Dan and I, uh, when Dan filled in for Sandy, we talked at length about good Batman games uh, because there are plenty of those. Um, but when you pick up a, a franchise uh, like a Batman or you pick up a franchise uh, like a Spider-Man even, you have a certain expectation of what that game should look like and what that game should feel like um, because it should be based on what those characters are. Um, and, you know, there's been Spider-Mans that have uh, games that have not been good mm-hmm. and it's the same way. And, and obviously Web of Fire, you know, uh, uh, one that is probably played by more people has been like the recent, like uh, the amazing Spider-Man two, um, which was a game uh, I stayed away from. And it was a movie I stayed away from. Um, and, and both of them were not good. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's so hard, especially I think with, when we look back at these games that are uh, in the eighties and early nineties, you can kind of excuse it, right? People didn't really know what they were doing with games yet. It was still a budding industry. Um, but by the time that a game like Batman Beyond the, you know, the Rise of Joker comes out or Return of Joker, excuse me, uh, and it's, you know, that game came out in 2000. I mean, Ubisoft knew what they were doing at that point. Yeah. Um, and this just feels like a cash grab. Absolutely. And they even do the thing where they're telling the story, like all the plot moments are just like frozen frames where the text would be at the bottom, you know, it's yeah. just bare minimum. Yeah. Which and at that point, the whole point of the PlayStation is that you didn't have to do that anymore. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's the whole reason why uh, SquareSoft left uh, Nintendo in the dust for Final Fantasy VII, right? Because they wanted to do, uh, you know, full motion cutscenes and and tell stories with video and not just text. And here yeah. we are. I mean, Final Fantasy VII uh, came out years before this game, uh, and there's really no excuse to it. Understanding, yeah. of course, that it's a one-disc game versus a three-disc game. Right. Uh, but also, I, and if I had to guess, this I mean, you could probably beat this game in, what, three hours? Yeah. Four hours, tops? That. Yeah, yeah, tops, I mean, I know yeah. you didn't get that far, so. <laughs> I think I might have beat it. I don't really, I think I might have beat it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, playing, playing bad games in, in a beloved series uh, definitely happens, um, especially when they decide that they're going to push – new things into the game and interject new gameplay modes. Uh, and that happened actually uh, for 989 Studios game. And we're going to stick on the PlayStation uh, and we're going to talk about Twisted Metal 3. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Twisted Metal, uh, for those that are not familiar, was uh, kind of came on the heels of, you know, Mario Kart being huge, Mario Kart 64 being huge, and uh, 989 Studios, um, which – Correct me if I'm wrong, Lane. Uh, 99 Studios was exclusively to Sony. It was just a division of Sony. Yeah, um, I think so. And I know that they they took over Twisted Metal Three. It was right. a different, yeah, different publisher yeah. for the first two. Um, yeah. And then Sony's like, we're just going to make this in house and and probably pay less to make it. Um, and uh, the first two Twisted Metal games, uh, for those that are not familiar with Twisted Metal, it's vehicular combat. That's it. You get yeah. missiles. You get machine guns. Um, there was a whole bunch of games that came out in this time frame of the, the late nineties, early two thousands, um, centered around specifically vehicular combat because everyone, and, and I, you and I have played, uh, countless rounds of Mario Kart, 
oh, yeah. battle. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Which is, I mean, listen, anybody can beat their friend at a race, right? But can you hit? <laughs> but who's the best at throwing green shells? That's what everyone wanted to know. And yep. I think that's why like vehicular combat really took off in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, games like Vigilante Eight uh, came out on the Nintendo sixty four. Um, of course, Twisted Metal was was kind of the the pioneer, and everyone loved Twisted Metal One. Everyone loved Twisted Metal Two, uh, and then Twisted Metal Three uh, with nine eight nine Studios behind the helm. It kind of takes a dump. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it, uh, yeah. Go ahead, remember, go ahead and well, get into it a little bit here, because this is one that was off of your list here. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that I – the couple things I remember about this is that this is one of the first Twisted Metal games I played a lot of. So one of the reasons why I hate this game is that I played it so much. I think I even beat it with every character. And then I played a good Twisted Metal game, and I felt all this despair (laughs) (laughs) that I I had sunk so much time into the mediocre one, you know, because it's just – you know, all the things that are so good about Twisted Metal, like it's gritty and like the stories are great and funny and like you want to beat the game because every character has like an end cutscene that's hilarious right. and they get right. – it's always they, they if they win the Twisted Metal competition, they can make a wish and their wish always goes really bad, almost like a Twilight Zone episode or something. Exactly, yeah. And the, 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 the ones in Twisted Metal 3 are so unimaginative and bad – like you get to the end of the game and then you see the cutscene and you're like angry <coughs> at how like at how bad the, the, the joke is that they made, you know? And and I mean talking about FMV stuff, the first game has full motion video cutscenes for those for those right. end of game scenes and they're amazing and they're so good. And even the latest Twisted Metal that came out on PS3 and like Xbox uh, 360 they went back to that full motion video thing and it's amazing and they do such a good job so so this one is more just like a game that i put a lot of time into and then was so realized what a good twist of the metal game was after the fact yeah so i mean and, and what's interesting too is that uh, almost universally everyone's like man this game wasn't good um i mean it wasn't kind of pushing anything it wasn't it wasn't any better than what they had done before um and i think uh this was the first one that, that they tapped uh, Rob Zombie to be the composer of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everyone's soundtrack. I, you know, I, I'm reading and, and I remember the soundtrack being awesome. Um, but the uh, every reviewer is like, yeah, the soundtrack's great. Well, of course it's great because <laughs> it's Rob Zombie. Yeah. I mean, they actually yeah. got you know, it, when you hear a game like Twisted Metal, it better be you know, uh, punch in the nuts death metal versus Absolutely. you know, it, you know. But yeah, I mean, it, it was not. Um, it wasn't rated very well, uh, but it did sell over a million copies. Um, but when you get into a game series building off of that that popular genre, um, I mean, you back in those days, you could sell a million copies of, of anything oh, yeah. that was a sequel. Oh uh, yeah. Um, well, so my the one good thing. So so what I love about Twisted Metal Three is that. Uh, I wasn't allowed to listen to Rob Zombie. I wasn't allowed to listen to any of that. You know, sure. I even had to on my Tony Hawk games. I had to make it so certain songs wouldn't play. I had to go in the settings. <laughs> like my parents made me turn some of the songs off. You know. Yeah. And uh, but Twisted Metal Three, if you put it in your Walkman, it would play the Rob Zombie songs. So I I had basically the sounds. I had a Rob Zombie CD, and that would never have been allowed. But since Twisted Metal Three was like rated teen or whatever, and and I, I got this Rob Zombie CD out of out of the. So I remember like going to bed and listening to that and feeling like I was really bad. 
Yeah, and and what's you know, you make that point. It is rated teen. Like you're you're no doubt absolutely slaughtering the other drivers. Yeah, seriously. Um, but there's there's this this kind of uh, you can kind of put this uh, thought away of it being other drivers that you're killing because you never see the drivers while you're playing. Um, I think there might be a few vehicles that you can, um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, you're just blowing up cars. So they get yeah. away with the teen rating. Uh, right. and yeah, I mean, we had, we had similar upbringings, uh, in, in that regard where, uh, you know, vulgar music and, and things. Uh, I definitely, I definitely did have to, uh, you know, depending on uh, which Tony Hawk game and, and, and which, uh, um, soundtrack it was or even just like cutscenes in certain uh later oh, yeah. ver- later Tony hot games um especially with bam margera involved i definitely had to skip ahead uh on those uh yeah, you know sure. it, which you know if you've listened to you know our podcast since the beginning we did a, a tony hawk episode pretty early on um so definitely go check that out if you haven't uh i i talked uh probably too much on that podcast episode uh because i played a lot more tony hawk than sandy did um, but definitely, uh, definitely go check that out if you want to, you know, re- reminisce about those days. Um, and before we move on from this one lane, I do want to talk about when we talk about how big vehicular uh, combat games were. There was even a Star Wars vehicular combat game. I played uh, that game so much. I Star Wars Demolition so came out on the yeah. PS One, and it's just it's it, it was just one of those things where literally everything revolved around cars just blowing the shit out of each other yeah yeah um i mean you you can look down the list but that's the one that kind of sticks out the most because it's star wars oh yeah um but you know i mean there's basically every every racing game that came out to had some combat uh to it as well so you know even a game like uh, extreme g on the nintendo 64 i don't know if you played that one much uh-uh. uh but it was basically a futuristic motorcycle game but you shot missiles at each other as you were racing so uh, vehicular vehicular combat hasn't disappeared entirely, um, especially if you played the Mad Max game that came out in 2015. Uh, but it's a little different, right? That's a story-driven game. Uh, but strictly strictly vehicular combat, uh, it doesn't really exist anymore uh, in the same way. Uh, but definitely go and play the other Twisted Metal games. Like Twisted Metal Black, I think is probably Dude, would you, would so you say, good. Would you say Twisted Metal Black is the best one? I think so. I think so. Black is Twisted Metal Black <laughs> is probably the best. That one you do see the bodies like that. They really, they really. Yeah. That was like the first one that could be rated M, you know. And and then, uh, the new one that was just called Twisted Metal was amazing. Okay, I didn't, I didn't get to that. I didn't get around to that one, so I'll have to definitely yeah. go back and check that out. Yeah. And then uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll switch over to this one because uh, I'm going to save my other one for last because it's it's kind of maybe a gasper uh, okay. as far as. You know, people wouldn't expect me to say it, um, gotcha. especially especially if you listen to this podcast, you kind of can find, pick up on where my tastes are. Um, but uh, speaking of tastes, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a video game character that was first uh, made famous for eating ghosts <laughs> um, that never really got a true sequel, I guess, uh, in a sense, because uh, we originally have Pac-Man and then we just put a bow on him and call him Mrs. Pac-Man. Um, and then we get, uh, with the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo, Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures. And it's described, Lane, as a graphic adventure game. Yeah. Uh, why don't you walk through some of this gameplay stuff? Because you were talking to me about it earlier, and I could not believe it. I, 
I can't believe it either. And I, I need to, this is one of those that I need to go back and play as an adult to kind of figure it out, like how, how to actually do it because it is so, so, you know, of all the ways, like Pac-Man is one of these games that always mystifies me because, you know, you think about what you want from a Pac-Man game. You want it to be sort of like arcadey. You want it to, to resemble the original in some ways, maybe add some layers to it. Kind of like, like maybe like a Tetris effect kind of thing, but with Pac-Man, you know, sure. like make it spice it up that way. But they just, they did the weirdest things with this character to make these different games. And this has got to be the weirdest one. I mean, I, with this game, I just think of all the people that would have bought it because of pac-man and then just being utterly mystified at, at what it even is so it's kind of like a point and click adventure game pac-man lives in some sort of town he's like an anthropomorphic pac-man so he's like living right. like arms a human and legs being. Yeah. yeah 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 he's like living like a normal person in this town and the game he just walks from from left to right like a side schooler through all these different screens of the town and you know he runs into cats and he runs into trees and, the, and there's people you know selling there's a there's a hot dog vendor uh you know there's a barn right. it's the strangest thing and you don't actually control pac-man that's another thing that's really <laughs> weird is that is that you don't control he just kind of walks around I, and what you do is you are the slingshot so i don't know if you're pac-man slingshot or some other character but basically you control like a target thing that moves around the screen and you shoot the slingshot and i think you might shoot uh, I don't know if it's the pellets. I know that, that Pac-Man can get a pellet, and when he gets a pellet, he turns into like a superhero and flies around the screen. I know I remember that as a kid. Sure. But basically I mean, that's exactly what I imagined when playing the original <laughs> arcade game, what he was doing. Well, like <laughs> it's like someone wanted to be like someone way overthought this and was just like, what if Pac-Man was like it was real? You know, they they just like <laughs> like wanted to make it like a piece of theater or something like that. But like, I just, me and my friends will always sit around and, and just try to figure this game out. And every time I, I, I'd be at my friend's house, be like, Oh, I want to play that. They'd just be like, no, you don't, you don't want to play that. Like that, that's not going to go anywhere. The, the look and feel of this game lane, it feels like somebody else picked up Namco's treasure and said, we're going to use this license to make some adventurous, uh, way out of bounds uh, type of game that you've never played before. Right. But the problem is, is that Namco made this game. <laughs> yeah. 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 It feels like it doesn't. Yeah. It's like, they. it's kind of like with, I think this way about Sonic sometimes too, where it's just like, sure. just give us what we like about Sonic. You know, you don't need to do all these. And, and they do the same thing where they put Sonic in like the city and have him like coexist with other people and stuff. Well, but we're like, not going to talk about Sonic 06. Uh, no, probably on this podcast ever. Um, we're just no. going to leave that. We're going to leave that to the people that actually feel like they should play that for whatever yeah. reason to try and get podcast downloads. Uh, we're, we're not that desperate for downloads like, so no, we, okay. That's good. We, well, we're no, not going to talk at length about that game. I'm just throwing I, it out there. That's fine. I legitimately want to, you and I, and some other people, I want to sit down with this Pac-Man game and figure, and like as an adult and figure it out. Like, yeah. like, no, because, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'd play it. I I'll give it a shot. I mean, uh, there are games before that I've thought, man, maybe I wasn't good at this because I was a kid. Um, and then you go, I go back and play it, and I'm like, oh no, I'm just this is just not a, a game that you can beat. No, um, and yeah, and we just with with us trying to figure it out, we just would torture Pac-Man because you could shoot the slingshot at him, and you can do stuff like you can shoot the cat with the slingshot, and then the cat attacks Pac-Man. And I think you're it's sort of you're, like a puzzle thing. You're supposed to get 
I don't even know, you, but we just figured, you, you know, you can put Pac-Man in all sorts of bad situations and that's all we would do because we couldn't figure out how to, you know, actually progress in the game. So, right. Which is, which is kind of wild. <laughs> because, yeah. So I do want to read uh, one review here and, and this is, <laughs> this is great because this is, uh, it's, it's boomer trolling, but it's boomer trolling in 1994. Nice. Um, which I didn't, uh, you know, at, I was four in 94 I was not aware of the term boomer, uh, and I don't. I didn't even know people used the term uh, boomer um, until probably the last few years. Right. Um, but this is a review from Entertainment Weekly. Nice. Yes, Entertainment Weekly reviewed video games back in the day, it's, and they gave the game a C minus. Whoa, and that's pretty high. That's pretty high. Um, other publications have actually given it, you know, seven out of ten. So that's about like a, wow. um, you know, a, a C type rating. Um, and that was for the Super Famicom version. That was a that was a review from Japan. Um, but Entertainment Weekly for the uh, for the American release wrote, "Of course, there's nothing wrong with updating old boomer faves, but some games don't translate as well as others. The original Pac-Man, for instance, was wonderfully algebraic in its simplicity. An animated yellow dot scoots around a maze, gobbling up or running away from pursuing ghosts." Pac-Man 2: The New Adventures is a Super Mario type action game, which sounds very no. true. That's not true. Hampered by what Namco calls its character guidance interface, uh, which is what you've <laughs> you've spoken to. Uh, players can't control Pac directly. Uh, it bothers me that they would shorten Pac-Man down to Pac. But also, uh, <laughs> that sentence, I love that sentence. They say it's a Mario game. Players can't control Pac directly. That's just <laughs> right. amazing. Same 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 uh, same line of of, of text here. Uh, players can't control Pac directly. They influence his actions by calling attention to obstacles. Sound frustrating? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I needed a dozen tries just to figure out how to play this game. And that's good to know because that's a grown person. Yeah. Uh, now this is this is a video game writer for Entertainment Weekly back in 1994. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds over. It sounds like they gave it too high of a grade. Oh my gosh. Um, being at C minus, if it took, if, if a game takes you a dozen times to figure out how to play it, um, it better be really freaking good after you figure it out. Yeah. Like there's, there's oh. games that you can play that are frustrating or maybe like, okay, you know, think of, uh, you know, uh, a, a Dark Souls type game, right? Right. Super frustrating. Borderline impossible sometimes if you don't know what you're doing, but you keep playing it and then you eventually figure out what you're doing. And when that happens, it's very rewarding. Right. Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures, figuring it out after trying and trying and trying and trying, sounds like you still just get more bullshit that doesn't that doesn't accomplish anything. What they should do is when you figure out the screen where with the care I love that that whatever that title is, like character directional interface or whatever. Character guidance interface. That's amazing. That makes me so happy. But um Every time you pass a screen with that, they should just let you play Pac-Man for like a half an hour. So apparently there is a, there is a arcade in the game that you can visit. And when you go to the arcade, you have the ability uh, to play the original Pac-Man. Now, there's also there, – there's a hidden difference between the Genesis and Super Nintendo versions. And this wow. is a hidden difference that nobody will give a shit about. Um, and that's if you collect three game cartridges in around town, the 
Arcade will allow you to play Miss Pac-Man in the Super Nintendo version and Pac-Junior in the Genesis version. That's amazing. Which, which begs the question, why? Yeah. <laughs> no, I really want to play that game and then just go to the arcade and play the original Pac-Man. Like once I figured that out, it would have been over. That's just my greatest experience and my greatest memory of Pac-Man. And and you may have a similar one is when you used to be able to go and sit down and eat at a pizza hut with your family. Yeah. And you would sit there and you would pump quarters into the flat top Pac-Man game uh, that had joysticks on either side. Yep, and yep. you and your siblings would take turns, you know, uh, player one, player two, playing Pac-Man. That's that's oh. my uh, greatest memory of playing Pac-Man. That's and so good. Anytime somebody like brings up any other Pac-Man thing, I just like, man, I just want to play with the stick, and and, and that's it. And like uh, my son, uh, it, he plays it on his tablet. Like he got oh, nice. super into. He saw Pac-Man on. Uh, some YouTube video of some kid playing it, and he's like, "Oh, I want to play Pac-Man." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So we found some app for him to play, and it's it's hard to play on a tablet, um, yeah. because you have to swipe your finger in which direction he goes, and um, it, nothing beats original Pac-Man. No, there's know? a there's a bar here in Tulsa that that's like an arcade bar, and I think they have one of those tables there. Uh, yeah, I'm so. I'm sure I could probably find one around here too. It's just you know, right now I, I don't know about. Uh, Touching uh, joysticks no. after uh, other mouth breathers have gone and, and you know decided that they were gonna you know pull their mask down so they could see Pac-Man better. You know what I mean? No, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah. You know, because uh, th- that could be a thing. It um, so we have one more game to get here, uh, and I won't spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, but when I, I I'm gonna throw a game out here, Lane. And we're talking about games that are so bad it's scary. And I think a lot of times expectations can drive that thought to you. Absolutely. If you expect a game that if you if you sit down to play a game and you expect to really enjoy it, like really enjoy it, like oh this is exactly what I've been waiting for. I played the last one in the series. The next one's going to be even better. And you sit down and you you throw it in. And then you get into the nitty gritty of it and you realize you actually hate this game (laughs) and you don't want to play it ever. And you go and you trade it into GameStop after two weeks just to try and get the full price refund of the $36 after spending 60. You're just, you're willing to take the loss at that point because you just want it out of your house. It sounds Um, like something that happened, like literally happened. This literally happened to me. Um, with Monster Hunter World, Ooh, um, which is, of, of course, you know, the uh, Monster Hunter game that came out in 2018 uh, on the uh, PS4 and the Xbox One. I played it on PS4, you know, the, the way God intended. Um, <laughs> and I've played Monster Hunter games before, Lane. I've really enjoyed them. I've played similar games. I've played MMOs. I've played... Because I know that the, the first criticism is like, well, you didn't play it enough or you just – you don't appreciate deep games. No, no, no. I do. Um, but listen, uh, I can only spend eight hours killing the same monster over and over and over again with nothing that I'm doing affecting or changing it for so long. Yeah. And it just it – just, it's just so repetitive and so repetitive. And, you know, I, I'm the guy that will spend – 
12 hours in an RPG, a JRPG, straight leveling up and be like, yeah. man, that was a lot of fun. Like, it's rewarding. Because I'm, I'm seeing progress. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, instead of three turns, now the next time I level up with that same creature in that same area, it's only two turns. This doesn't do that. And it just, it's very, very frustrating. And and anytime that I would ask someone about it, I'd be like, hey, are you playing this? It's not any good, right? Or no, you just got to give it time. Right, right. I, and I feel like with, with Monster Hunter, that's all I've ever heard is, oh, you just got to give it time. You just got to keep going. And you know what? Time is precious. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I don't – I'm not going to spend 70 hours to get a game started. <laughs> yeah. You know, so – for me, uh, my my last entry into the so bad it's scary uh, category, um, yeah, I'm gonna say it. I'm just, I you know, people people may not like it, people may hate it, uh, people may not know it uh, enough to have any opinion of that. But I feel like uh, in the video game world, I'm I'm holding a controversial opinion here, Lane. That's good though. I like that. That's that's good for for you know. That's going to get this. We're going to go viral because of that. But no. So uh, I agree. So I love I love and hate that game is what I'll say. Sure. Like I I hated that game. And like when I was 10 hours in, I almost gave gave it up and then like played a little bit more. And then I played it for like 100 more hours after that. But like I'm not super glad that I did. So, I mean, I I I know what you're saying, like because after a hundred hours, so I can even attest to your experience after a hundred hours, I still felt like the game was just getting started. Yeah. So like, so like when, how far does it go? You know? And one, and the why? feeling, yeah, the feeling, right. <laughs> also, you feel like a jerk. Cause you're like killing all these, these animals for no reason. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 but anyway, uh, and the game doesn't give you a good reason to do it either. Uh, but like then, um, it gives me the same feeling that Donkey Kong 64 gives me, which is like, there's so much and it's so stressful, you know? Yeah. And, and, and like, I actually started playing this other game. That's like monster hunter world. It's called dauntless. And it's like a million times better because it's like the, the same experience more or less, but progression happens really fast. And it's like amazing. So, and and see that, I feel like that for me, that would be like, if you took Monster Hunter and you sped it up and, and yeah. made progression happen, I would love it. Oh yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah, you should play Dauntless. Uh, and I might. You never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and, and we talked uh, off off recording before, but like, I mean, I've been playing Final Fantasy fourteen. I mentioned it on the podcast last week also, um, and it's been taking up a lot of my time. But progression feels real, and it's oh, actually yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. So you know, and and. I'm going on quest and the quest makes sense in the story of the game. Whereas like with monster hunter world, you're like, we're on this Island. Let's go kill some monsters. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, and, and I know I'm being uh, overly critical probably. And, and that's fine. Um, and I realized too, uh, now because I'm, I'm reading this, that I'm being extremely critical over the game that has sold more copies uh, for Capcom than any other game they've ever released. That's um, <laughs> right so uh worldwide it sold uh 15 and a half million copies wow um and then the the expansion iceborne uh which i did not buy because i did not have the game uh anymore anywhere near the time that that expansion came out um which was by the way like almost two years later um that expansion sold five million copies so wow 
uh, Capcom, uh, I think it's safe to say, Lane, uh, that uh, Capcom will be releasing another Monster Hunter game. Um, and uh, I probably won't buy it. <laughs> Monster Hunter Universe. Monster Hunter Galaxy. Yeah, something. Or, you know, who knows. Uh, but yeah, so, and what's interesting, uh, looking back at, uh, I just wanted to, to, to look and see what the next closest game uh, for Capcom sales were. You want to take a stab at it? Um, Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 is not even in the top 10. What? Even if you count all the ports? I don't know that it takes that into account. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. But so the top 10 as of June 30th this year, which is including digital distribution, uh, which is important to note. Number one, Monster Hunter World. Number two, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. That's really weird. Then Resident Evil 5. Okay. Then Resident Evil 6. What? Which, 5 and 6, and Sandy and I went into this at length. 5 and 6 are probably the worst games in the series. Absolutely. Um, Easily. But they also came out on two systems uh, at the same time, so I think that probably helps their sales. Uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake is, is the fifth highest selling game, uh, which I'll say that is an awesome that awesome is good. Remake. That is good. Um, Street Fighter 2 is the first uh, non-Resident Evil game uh, and Monster Hunter game on this list. Uh, that sold 6.3 million copies on the Super Nintendo. Wow. Um, which, if you look at these other games, right? I mean, obviously, distribution is better. You have digital distribution now. Street Fighter 2 got released 17 different ways with the, with a million different titles. Right. So for the core Street Fighter 2 game to, to sell 6.3 million, I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, being only on Super Nintendo. Uh, and then you have uh, the expansion for Monster Hunter World next on the list. Wow. Then the original release of Resident Evil 2, Monster Hunter Freedom 3, which is on the PSP. What? And then Street Fighter 5 rounds out the top 10. So if you want to know why uh, Capcom keeps making Monster Hunter and Resident Evil and Street Fighter, that would be why. There, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Mega Man. No Mega Man on that list. That's too bad. No. And... and I, I want to have you back, Lane, when we eventually do a Mega Man episode because there's nobody I know uh, that, that knows Mega Man more. Uh, Man. And Mega Man certainly uh, probably has a few entries that could fit on this list that we're talking about today. Definitely. Um, but, you know, we're not we're not going to get into, you know, Mega Man 64 or anything like that. That's uh, a good I'm, game. Well, I, I knew you were going to say that as soon as I mentioned that. <laughs> this is... This is our, our Mega Man 64 conversation. This is our Spider-Man 3 conversation. Yeah, this is yeah, our, you know, yeah. which again, not not for this podcast. Um, but you know, we'll we'll definitely have you on again to talk about uh, Mega Man and and uh, uh, the many iterations of that game uh, series. Um, but we've talked a lot about bad games, Lane, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. I think we've we've definitely had a good time talking about it, and and oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I've played some of those games and they're not that bad. You know, definitely tweet at us uh, at, at 8-Bit Suplex. Uh, let us know uh, what you think of any of these games. Uh, before we, I let you go, Lane, um, and then we'll get into, uh, after a brief commercial break, well, uh, myself uh, and uh, and uh, Dan Coffin or Sandy, uh, we're recording this a little bit uh, wonky. Either Sandy will be uh, recording the, the Impact Review with me um, or Dan will. Uh, but uh, before we go, it is Halloween. There are plenty of good games to play all around Halloween. 
give me uh, give me one or two games here uh, for the listeners to go and check out. You got it. So I think there's my favorite probably would be Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which is one of the hardest games of all time, but it's just amazing. Another Capcom one, just amazing music, so much fun. You know, get a get a friend or two over and and take turns just trying to trying to beat it. It's <clears throat> it's a great one. Probably one of the best gameplay experiences I've ever had is me and just a buddy just just not like refusing to leave until we beat that game. And uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of pain and a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and and, then, and that game is is one. By the way, uh, you don't just beat the game once. You have to beat it twice in a row. <laughs> Yeah, and we actually didn't beat it that second time. So, so we we counted the first one because we we were that was a surprise to us in the moment. So uh, yeah, I mean, and and also uh, it is like you mentioned. I I think you undersold how hard this game is. I, I think um, I did. Yeah. Because you get two hits. Yeah. And then you start at the beginning. Yeah, and the so, controls are are like bad on purpose, where where your jumps are not like Mario. Once you go in one direction, you're going in that direction, so you have to plan ahead. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can jump, and then your direction of your jump is set. And then if you do the double jump, you can change direction on the double jump. Um, but you, if once you do it, you're you're screwed. Yeah. Like you can't. Yeah. It's not like you know your your typical uh, side scrolling platformer where you can jump and change directions midair, you know, back and forth, you jump, you're going that way, uh, yeah. much like you would uh, in real life. Uh, quite right. Frankly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a great game. I mean, one of my favorites ever. Um, and then the other one on here, I was going to say zombies ate my neighbors is another amazing one. Great game. Uh, yeah. Top down, you know, uh, kind of game where you run around rescuing your neighbors and, and shooting zombies or throwing thrown with, with squirt guns. Cause you're just a bunch of neighborhood kids running around, but also great music, great game. Perfect for Halloween. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and surprisingly that one was actually developed by Lucas arts. Oh, nice. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of interesting cause uh, that was 1993 and, and we've uh, you know, go back in the archives. You can, uh, Sandy talked about, you know, uh, Point and click adventure games being, you know, her favorite genre as a kid, uh, and LucasArts obviously being a huge part of that. Uh, but Zombie Ate My Neighbors, uh, you know, that's definitely a, a, a top-notch game out of them. Um, and LucasArts, uh, they published that with Konami. So nice. Uh, the Konami logo is prevalent on the box, uh, more mm. prevalent so than LucasArts. But LucasArts developed the <laughs> game and then also, you know, uh, published it as well. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to go with a more recent one. I mentioned it on the podcast last week as part of Epic Games uh, Halloween sale, uh, but definitely you know, go out of your way uh, to uh, go and play Costume Quest. Uh, it's written by Tim Schafer. Uh, Tim Schafer obviously is a, a pretty well-known uh, uh, game developer or game designer. Uh, um, he was involved with a lot of those games that I mentioned before uh, with the Lucas uh, Arts uh, games, the Point and Click Adventures. Uh, the biggest one being uh, probably the Secret of Monkey Island, uh, which I think everyone knows is kind of like the the big uh, the big one that really put them out there. Um, but yeah, I mean definitely go check out Costume Quest. It is a it's an RPG. Um, we love RPGs on this podcast. Uh, Lane uh, and I have, oh, yeah. have our, our, you know we we both play uh, you know RPGs uh, at length. So. Uh, and it, this is a pretty short game, if memory serves. Oh yeah. Uh, so you could probably you could play it through, play through it on holiday or the holiday weekend here. That is such a good idea. I mean, I, I want to play that game every year. It's one of my favorite uh, games to get me in the spirit of things. It's just really fun, but also pretty deep 
little RPG. So it's it's a really good one. Yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely, uh, you know, avoid those games we mentioned before and play those ones that we just mentioned now. Yeah, you and, just reminded uh, me of Grim Fandango too. I mean, that's another really good Halloween one to play. Really good, really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many. Obviously, you know, we talked about Resident Evil at the beginning of the month. Uh, can't go wrong there. Uh, Lane, you're a bigger Silent Hill guy than I am. Oh, I love um, that, yeah. Definitely, you know, check out stuff like that. Um, you know, basically, you know, pick up a horror game and play it. Uh, obviously, in, if you're not one that wants to play it, but maybe you want to watch people play it, uh, Phasmophobia is really huge on Twitch right now. Um, I don't know if you're very familiar with that one at all, Lane. Um, but basically, uh, you, you set up uh, as a ghost hunter in a room, and you are uh, – Basically, you have to try and capture ghosts that uh, are definitely going to try and kill you at some point. Nice. Um, and it uses like voice recognition, so you, it, it's got some really cool things. Um, but definitely, I haven't played it. I've only just seen clips of it. Um, it's probably not one I'm going to play, uh, just because, uh, you know, I, I do sometimes turn into a little bit of a weenie with horror video games. <laughs> That's not okay. so much with not so much with horror movies. Um, but definitely because, you know, I think I've seen enough horror movies, you know, you, you see enough of them, you kind of, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, but when, I feel like with games, you're more immersed. And so you can kind of, you know, it's, it's, you're focused on keeping your character alive, not necessarily on what's going on around you. Uh, and then, you know, next thing you know, something jumps out and, and grabs you. And so, um, you know, I, which kind of reminds me, you know, I think Legends of the Hidden Temple could be a, a horror game if you ever, if you really think about it. Good. You know, those temple guards, man. Yeah. Never never know if those guys are going to pop out. But, uh, <laughs> Lane, you uh, you got anything to uh, to promote? Anything you want to throw out there? Not really. I mean, you know, I'm uh, I'm just a grad student right now getting coffee for all the professors. So I can promote the cup of coffee that I'm going to bring to them. But that's pretty much it. You got any good uh, regional uh, coffee places for that people should check out in Tulsa? Oh, man, if you're in Tulsa, yeah, you got to check out, uh, let's see, man, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, Chimera is a good place. Um, Double Shot's a good place. Lots of good stuff. But, yeah, if you come to, yeah, I'll, I'll show you around. Yeah, come, come to Tulsa. Lane will show you around. Um, but, yeah, so uh, everyone else, uh, you know, stick around uh, after the short break. We'll be back with the uh, Impact Wrestling re- uh, Review. Um, and, uh, you know what, Lane, thanks a lot, bud. We'll see you next time. All right, sounds good. The Eight Book Suplex will be back after these messages. Hey everybody, it's Josh here. Uh, you know, if the holidays are just around the corner, I just want to make sure that everyone is aware that you can head on over to Pro Wrestling Tees slash Social Suplex 
uh, and pick up uh, all your latest t-shirts from the Social Suplex Podcast Network, uh, including the uh, newest uh, shirt to the bunch, which is our 8-Bit Suplex shirt. And, uh, you know, hey, Molly, um, how many stars uh, do you think you'd give that t-shirt? Yeah, you know what? Me too. Uh, so, anyways, head on over to uh, the uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash social suplex uh, and buy all your loved ones social suplex podcast network shirt. And uh, you know what? It helps the show. It helps you uh, be a better friend and family member by giving a great gift. It's super com- super comfortable to wear around the house. Uh, so, definitely make sure you go and do that. break i hope you enjoyed it uh whatever it is i'm recording this uh with uh with dan coffin my fellow dad of the group uh episode uh two impromptu of uh dad bought here we're recording this segment before i record whatever commercial i'm going to stick in the middle there so i hope you enjoy it uh <laughs> and maybe maybe dan i'll figure out uh what's kind of uh, gonna go in there uh by the end of this but dan uh welcome back buddy hey thanks for having me back this is kind of a last minute thing you know i don't know Hopefully Sandy's doing okay. Uh, yeah, she, she uh, Sandy uh, has a sinus infection. Uh, she did test negative uh, for COVID. Uh, so, you know, don't sweat that. Um, and, and, and that's especially good news for you and I since uh, we got together right. to watch uh, Bound for Glory, which we're going to discuss here in a second. And Sandy was also a part of that. So she definitely made sure to go out of her way to make sure because she was around my kids too and just say, hey, listen, uh, yeah, I'm sick, but I did get tested. You're good to go. Um, which I always appreciate, uh, you know, when people are considerate, uh, Dan. Yeah. Well, I was hoping she didn't pull a Kyle, <laughs> Kylie Ray on you. <laughs> oh, sure. no. Well, we're not going to get we're not going to get into that at all. Well, well, well we might a later. little bit. We might, we, might, we might touch on it. We're not going to throw out uh, theories or anything. Yeah, Impact I, still not said anything about it. Um, we, uh, As far as I know, the only, only thing I know is she wasn't injured physically. Um, right. And she's still in good standing with the company. So whether, you know, and, and, and when we talk about this week's episode of Impact, uh, there's a, a barrister. Yeah, that's right. I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I said barrister. There's a barrister that, that makes a comment about it that's, you know, it's kind of weird. And, and you know, thankfully, uh, Scott Demore just kind of blows right past it. Um, right. But, yeah, so uh, Hopefully everything's okay in that regard. Uh, but what was uh, more yeah. than okay uh, was uh, Bound for Glory, uh, twenty twenty here. Uh, if you're not a fan of Impact Wrestling or you don't watch Impact Wrestling regularly, uh, this is kind of like their WrestleMania. So uh, you know the the card uh, that gets everyone on the card. Uh, we got a huge Call Your Shot Gauntlet match with twenty uh, twenty um, wrestlers in it, and we'll get to that here shortly. But first, we have a six way scramble match. For the Impact X Division Championship, uh, which of course uh, has the defending Rohit Raju against Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, TJP, Trey Miguel, and Willie Mack. Dan, what'd you think of this one here? It was okay. Um, I mean, there's a lot of parts of it that were kind of like where they set up for spots, so they everybody, like everybody gets in their position and stuff, which you know it's kind of be expected as something like this. It's got you know all the moving parts 
trying to all mesh together at the same time. So there was there was a little bit of a standstill a couple of times. But other than that, it, it was entertaining. I mean, it was a good start to the show. Get get everybody's juices flowing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too that you know when you when you talk about you know six man matches. There's obviously spots that they want to do, and it's so hard to get to those spots without looking very uh, inorganic, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes they did it better than others. Um, right. I think <clears throat> there was one at one point. TJP, uh, you know, of course, the great TJP, as as we like to say <laughs> here on this podcast, uh, of course, had uh, a triple. Was it a triple uh, submission uh, in yeah. place where he had a submission on three different uh, uh, wrestlers, and then uh, Jordan Grace uh, was the one that actually broke it up. Um, and actually, you know, I, if, if we're talking about, you know, who looks good coming out of this match, uh, there's, like you said, there's, there's some really good spots, uh, here and there, uh, Raheem Raju does kind of, uh, you know, shit heal his way to, to a victory, uh, <laughs> stealing a pin. Um, but I think, uh, other than of course, Raheem, uh, looking good because he's still the champion. Uh, I, I think you really got to look to, uh, you know, Jordan Grace looks pretty great in, in this match, mixing it up with the guys. Um, right. at one point she did a, uh. From a almost pretty much from a tree of woe, did a double suplex uh, to two guys on the top turnbuckle, uh, which was impressive, and also got heat from uh, Sabu. <laughs> yeah, they had a little Twitter war this week. Uh, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> which you know, uh, spoiler alert: I don't care what Sabu has to say about anything. <laughs> I I don't know if even Sabu even knew what he was saying. Like I'm I I was shocked he had a Twitter. You know. I thought he just like yeah. lived in a van. I thought he was like the wrestler Mickey Rourke, just like living in a van in some random city, and like comes out once a week to like do, you know, knock down, drag out matches in some gym somewhere. That's a, and yeah, that might be the case, but he also might have a Twitter account. Uh, with that, so <laughs> went to the library. And <laughs> okay, yeah, who on. knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's sitting there at the public library in Des Moines, just sitting there cranking away. I just threw Des Moines out there, some random town. That was just the first one that popped into my mind. Uh, you know, shout out to Des Moines, uh, I guess. I don't know. I've never been there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, good match. Like I said, Rohit Raju gets the victory. Uh, it doesn't really set us up for where he's going to go next. Uh, we don't know. Uh, and after this week's uh, episode of Impact, we still really don't know what's happening with the uh, X Division as we uh, kind of start to, uh, as we put Bound for Glory in the rear view, start to look ahead to uh, Hard to Kill. Um, well, we'll figure out probably in the next uh, couple of weeks where that goes. Um, uh, but you know, something that sets up a automatic title match is the call your shot gauntlet match. And that was next. And, uh, you know, this is, like I said, 20, 20 men, uh, and women in this match, you have, uh, Rhino entering in at number one because he lost the stipulation match, uh, last right. week, um, to, um, Hernandez, who uh, was able to come in at number 20 because he, he pinned uh, Rhino after he gored uh, Alicia Edwards. Um, but we see Alicia Edwards in this match, so good to see her uh, rebounding some. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not uh, not uh, permanently injured. Um, but joining them, uh, we have uh, AC Romero, Adam Thornstow, Brian Myers, Crazy Steve, a returning Davari who looked unbelievably ripped. jacked, man. That guy's been living in the gym during quarantine or something. Yeah, he's, a, he's a body guy, huh? Oof. Get, now he is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy looked like an action figure walking out there. I, I didn't have action figures with 10-packs, Dan. They stopped at eight when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, Follow Bob was in this match, the opposite of a body guy. Um, 
we see Havoc uh, come to the ring, uh, accompanied by Nevaeh. Heath, of course, uh, is in this match, too. And then uh, we have a returning James Storm, uh, which that was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, it was nice to have somebody come back that you weren't quite expecting to show up. And he, yeah, he's been over at NWA, right? That's correct, but he's recently uh, recently gone from there, uh, I believe. So okay. maybe he's back at Impact. That would be cool to see. Uh, you want to talk yeah. about another guy that's uh, unbelievably jacked? That's another one. Yeah. Um, he's got a history with Impact, too. So Yes, he does. Like some, some crazy person coming out of nowhere. So Right, exactly. Uh, former tag champs, and I think he also at one point was a TNA uh, heavyweight champion. I, don't quote me on that. Um, and then, of course, uh, we also have Kira Hogan, uh, who is accompanied by Tasha Steeles. We have uh, Larry D, because, of course, we had AC earlier. Uh, Lust of the Legend, because uh, we had Thornstone earlier. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Sammy Callahan gets in there. And then we have uh, a surprise appearance by uh, none other than <laughs> Swoggle. Right. It's crazy to you... see a McMahon on the TV for Impact, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny stuff, uh, and, and we'll get into uh, kind of how he uh, he gets eliminated here. But uh, uh, we also have uh, Tay Valkyrie and Tennille Dashwood, and of course uh, uh, my best friend and yours, uh, who you know he has actually sent me a message on Twitter, uh, Mr. Tommy Dreamer, um, and uh, Tommy Dreamer of course uh, come come out to the ring uh, with his uh, Road Warrior animal paint uh, on, and uh, kind of did his hair like him too. Uh, to honor his late friend. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a nice little little moment to see him come out like that. Yep. It was. And, and it's, he was wearing a, uh, a special uh, Road Warriors shirt. Um, so if you, uh, you know, if you want to support a uh, Road Warrior animal shirt, you can actually go and buy that shirt. I, I think it's on Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I'll make sure I put the link in the show notes. Uh, all the proceeds go to Animals uh, Family. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, Tommy Tommy Dreamer proves to be a stand-up guy uh, time in and time out. So uh, good yep. on him for promoting that. Uh, but this match uh, oftentimes was a mess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I think Brian Myers winds up with the most eliminations with six. Yeah, he went on a run there at the beginning. He, 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 was, he, was, he was going Roman Reigns, you know. Kane style, just like plowing through dudes. I think uh, at one point I said, man, they, they booked him like uh, Big Show. Uh, yeah. Rumble uh, <laughs> style where he gets the most eliminations and doesn't even come close to winning this thing. Right. But, uh, of course, you know, there could, they, we whittled this down to the last two. Now, uh, I will point out, Heath came out pretty late, like 18 or so, I think it was. Right. Yeah, it was something like that. He was, and he was he, near the end there. Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, uh, he – he threw a lariat and immediately uh, Logan, who is, is uh, Sandy's boyfriend, uh, also a wrestler. So, def- you know, t- check out Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling and some other you know, <laughs> stuff that he's in. Um, he immediately goes, oh, he's hurt. I'm like, what? Like he caught it before I think anyone else in the room did. Yeah, I didn't even notice. And and then next thing you know, he's trying to take a step and he can't. And then I noticed he started grabbing at his side. And at first I think everyone kind of thought like maybe it was his knee or his ankle or something. And I said, Oh man, I think that's a hernia. Um, And that's actually what it wound up being. And I can't, uh, I can't imagine. It was really rough to watch. 
that I mean, because it wasn't like he got hurt and they got him out there out of there real quick and like, oh, change of plans, you know, in like 30 seconds or something. He was like wincing in pain and rolling around. And, you know, you could see walking uh, along the ropes. John Callis and the the referee were like over on the side talking like they they caught him in the shot. And uh, it was just really uncomfortable to watch the whole thing. Yeah, And 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 it's worth pointing out, too. This is a live pay-per-view. They didn't pre-tape this. Um, right. and because of that, you know, they, they literally changed it on the fly. And of course we know that Don Callis is, you know, uh, producing it and it's probably the one that booked that match. Um, right. so tough to have your booker on commentary. Uh, but you know, Josh Matthews is the, is the consummate professional and was able to step in and, uh, kind of carry the load there. Um, right. but, uh, eventually he does get eliminated. Um, and it is by Sammy Callahan, which Ooh. leaves us, I know. <laughs> of course, I think he only screamed thumbs up, thumbs down twice, uh, at Bound for Glory. So that's, you know, I, hit, <laughs> I think that hits the under, um, <laughs> but, uh, at the end there, uh, we get, uh, the one-on-one match because as we know, the, uh, gauntlet matches an impact. So they start off uh, battle Royal style and then the last two, it becomes a one-on-one match. Right. A little bit messy here. Uh, they obviously had to audible. Um, this was, right. this was clearly set up for Heath to win, to get his impact contract. Right. The uh, stipulations am, before the match, like laid it out pretty much, you know, we all kind of thought what was going to happen, you know, the way they were right. going and that, and then <laughs> he's hernia had other plans. Yeah. So. His hernia didn't follow the script, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, we, we get, uh, Rhino in the uh, final match and, and I feel like, because there was a lot of talking between the officials and, and the wrestlers on the ring. This, this feels like it was supposed to be Heath and Rhino at the end with Heath mm-hmm. screwing over Rhino to get his thing, not knowing that Rhino put his own contract on the line to give Heath the shot. That would have been a great booking, uh, but unfortunately we couldn't, couldn't get there. Um, so Rhino uh, hits uh, Sammy Callahan with the gore and uh, picks up the victory. And uh, now Rhino is the holder of the Call Your Shot uh, trophy, which uh, is, I'll be honest, and I'm a little upset about this. It's a little bit nicer than uh, Toriano's King of Pro <laughs> Wrestling uh, trophy. Um, listen, man, uh, you know what? Toriano deserves better. That's what I'm getting at. You're, you're going you're gonna to die alone on that hill, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Oh, well. I, I thought they is. recovered well, you know, I mean, they called the audible and, and it, it completely threw them for a loop and you could see like just the anxiety and like, Oh shit, what are, what are we going to do now? Right. Um, but I feel right. like they recovered well, you know, Rhino's a pro, he can step in and take care he of is. it. And, and, and it he was like, clearly gassed by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he was clearly out of, out of it. Uh, maybe Sammy wasn't planning on being in there, but you just by watching him and Rhino, you couldn't really tell that he was like flummoxed or anything. So yeah, they, they recovered pretty well. He hit Rhino with a pretty good side by side slam, if I if I remember, or a backdrop slam, something like that. And uh, you know, yeah, I mean the the singles matches at the end of those things never go that long. Uh, this right. I, I think uh, according to Cage Match, it went a minute forty five, uh, which is about what they. I mean, at that point, you can make the case that both both competitors are, you right. know eternally tired research limits <laughs> i mean uh rhino works this entire thing uh which is 25 minutes and 27 seconds 
Yeah. <clears throat> which is probably 20 minutes longer than his uh, next longest match this year. So, <laughs> you know, hey, you know, shout out to Rhino uh, uh, for the victory. And uh, we'll see uh, if they do the tag titles uh, when Heath is better or if Rhino decides not to wait for Heath. Um, it'll be interesting to see which way they go there. But next on the uh, card here, and this was the uh, – this was one where we kind of didn't know what was going to happen – how it was going to look because it was our cinematic match. Um, and that would be, uh, of course, Moose, the self-proclaimed TNA World Heavyweight Champion, which is, of course, not a belt recognized by Impact, taking on EC3 in an undisclosed location. Um, you know, Impact has a history of doing these types of things. And uh, I don't think this was bad, but I, I don't necessarily think it was good either. Um, yeah. It was confusing. <laughs> um, glowing praise from your host, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally confusing. Raves Josh McLaughlin. <laughs> don't think they're putting that on the DVD cover. Uh, yeah, it was just weird. I don't know. It it seemed um, like with the people standing outside. I, I I hate to bring you know WWE into this because we like focus on Impact, but it just had a lot of uh, it reminded me a lot of the uh, Retribution crap and also the WWE Underground, which is apparently not anymore. But it, it I, now maybe they came up with the idea for all this. Like EC3, I think said somewhere on Twitter or an interview or something that he had come up with the idea for WWE Underground, right? And they stole right. it from him. Um, so maybe that's where this stuff came from. Like he had these ideas before that was even a thing on the other brand. Um, but because it came second, you know, unfortunately it just kind of looked derivative and not great. Right. He's getting compared to underground versus underground getting compared to him. Exactly. And yeah, he we got both... the shitty end of the stick here. He did. And because it's it, honestly, it's better than, than the production on underground. Oh yes. And, and you know, <laughs> Of course, you know, our, our beloved co-host, Sandy, uh, her appearance on Underground notwithstanding. Um, right. The, just the, the camera cuts, the Shane McMahon of it all, uh, not, <laughs> not great. It's like, you know, right. it's like, hey, uh, Shane, uh, here, snort some Adderall and go out there, bud. Like, right. uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, we see some, some uh, it was a really weird uh, ring set up. Like there's random turnbuckle pads missing. Uh, EC3 gets busted open, uh, which of course Moose is wearing all white. Uh, so that blood's just showing everywhere that EC3's face goes. Um, it seemed almost like a dream sequence more than a cinematic match, just with like yeah. the randomness of the turnbuckles being gone and him wearing white. And you, you knew he was going to bleed because why else would a wrestler wear white, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so it just seemed like, and the fact that it was cinematic, whereas the rest of the show was live, it just seemed like maybe this was like in somebody's head or something like that. You know? Yeah, and, and that, you know. <clears throat> it's unsanctioned could... too, so. <laughs> right, exactly. And Scott Demore, you know, as we've mentioned in past episodes, uh, he hasn't actually, Scott Demore has not acknowledged uh, that EC3 works at Impact and has, you know, called Moose crazy for chasing after a guy that doesn't work there for right. a title that he never won. Um, so it very well could be, you know, just something that Moose is just, you know, he's just maybe going crazy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's literally talking to EC3 projected on the wall at times. So, you know, uh, it sets up Moose kind of being crazy on this week's episode of Impact. And we'll get into that later. 
but of course, yeah, Moose does defeat EC3 uh, to the point where it looks like he's killed him. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, the uh, EC3 acolytes uh, carry EC3 out. Yeah. This is odd. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I mean, I, I, I wish I could explain it better, but I really can't uh, because that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. So uh, next next on here, uh, and, and I know uh, you're just waiting and dying to talk about this one, Dan, is mm. the most dangerous man in the world, Ken Shamrock, accompanied to the ring, of course, by Sammy Callahan. Against, uh, you know, the pride of Boston uh, in Impact, at least, uh, Mr. Eddie Edwards. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a match uh, that, in the lead-up, I said uh, it won't matter. That's, <laughs> that's a quote I said to Sandy. Uh, I said uh, to Sandy, I said, Sandy, who do you think wins this one and why does it matter? And uh, <laughs> we both predicted Ken Shamrock, uh, and we both said it wouldn't matter. Um, and truthfully, it really did not seem like it did. Um, it was interesting is that, you know, the observer does, you know, review impact pay-per-view uh, matches and uh, the observer gave this match a star and a half. It goes 12 and a half minutes and Ken Ooh. Shamrock, Ken Shamrock does defeat Eddie Edwards. Um, we try to stay positive here, Dan. I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on the negative, which is basically the entire match. Um, but I will say, uh, we got a really cool moment in the pre-show, um, with Ken Shamrock being inducted into the impact hall of fame. Right. And I mean, it was a star studded affair uh, as far as the wrestling world is concerned. I mean, that's basically why they had this match on the show was so they could do the hall of fame. And and I wouldn't say it was an induction ceremony, really. They just kind of like brought him out and didn't even like zoom in on him when he was talking. They just kind of handed him (laughs) a little thing and said, yeah, "Yeah, here you go. But yeah, they they had quite a cavalcade of uh, wrestlers, you know, past and present and and celebrities. So, and of course, you know, he was most popular uh, probably during the attitude era. Um, so anybody that he worked, uh, was pretty much available, uh, I think for him to, uh, you know, send in, especially since because of COVID restrictions, it would all be, uh, video, uh, video congratulatory statements. Um, so, you know, it kicked off with Bret Hart, which was, I I hadn't heard about that ahead of time. Um, That was a surprise. That was a pretty cool one too. He actually, I think gave the longest video. Um, of course, Mick Foley, uh, sent in a, uh, a video as well. Um, and uh, Mick, Mick buries the lead uh, and says uh, he's only the second coolest member of the Rock and Sock Connection uh, to be right. a part of the ceremony. And something I never thought I'd see uh, in a million years was Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, being on a Impact Wrestling pay-per-view to congratulate his friend Ken Shamrock. Uh, on a scale of 10 to like 300, how pissed off is Vince McMahon that – that Dwayne Johnson uh, potentially popped a rating uh, for impact. Uh, I don't know if he even knows impact exists. I mean, <laughs> it's Vince. So he's he probably not know. too pissed off. I'm sure he heard something about it. Um, probably not too worried about it. A um, couple of things about it. I thought were interesting was they didn't call him Dwayne Johnson. They called him the rock. They which, did. Isn't that like a trademarked name for WWE? You would think, or maybe, I'm, I don't know if Dwayne owns it now. I, I'm not sure I, how all the I, legalities on that. Yeah, I don't know if 
if Dwayne has it now. But yeah, I mean, he I owns mean, the, I'm, 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 the XFL I'm, now. He might as well buy the you know trademark yeah, the to rock, the rock. Too. I think that uh, it looks like. Okay, so Dwayne Johnson does now own the right to the name uh, The Rock. I just Googled oh, it. Thank there you, you go. Google, thank you to the uh, Google machine. Uh, it was, of course, formerly owned uh, by Vince McMahon and the WWE. And so any movie that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in, Vince McMahon actually got executive producer credits for because he owned the character. Of course he did. Right. <laughs> so... Uh, there's there's your the precursor uh, of owning their Twitch and Cameo and everything, right? Right. There's the the so, late so, '90s so. version of of that. <laughs> <laughs> and and now you know more about uh, the uh, naming rights. So, but yeah, I guess since you know Dwayne owns it, it's it's a fair game. But it still is is kind of a stunning thing. Um, a huge deal. I mean, nobody yeah. ever thought that would happen. I mean, The Rock's never really been anywhere else, right? He's he's been born and bred you know, WWE. So that was surprising. Um, it, it's extremely surprising, especially given that his daughter currently works for WWE yeah. in the training center, you know, maybe, maybe or in the performance center. Let me make sure I get that name right. So I don't get any uh, papers. Um, but you know, it, it must be, he's got to know something about maybe how far someone's going to wind up going in there or, you know, maybe she's, uh, I, I can't imagine that he would do anything that would jeopardize what she wants to accomplish. So I don't think that this means we're going to see Dwayne Johnson on TNT. Right. right? Um, but doing a thing for his buddy and, and getting a free plug for his tequila brand. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> of course. you know, and you know, he clearly had, uh, he still had his nice shirt on and was in his backyard still from the Joe Biden uh, endorsement. video. Yeah. That was the other thing I thought was pretty pretty hilarious is like he filmed one of those immediately after the other because he was wearing the same shirt it was the same camera angle it's yep. like sa- same time of day you know it was, it was pretty funny on that <laughs> it was pretty funny it, but you know what uh and it was the only one that looked like it was shot professionally uh the other videos oh, yeah. were all very much iphone videos like selfie videos it, i mean <laughs> Would you be surprised if Impact paid for cameos just to <laughs> get those for for Ken? I mean, I feel like I feel like they would have. I feel like uh, Brett would have probably declined it. <laughs> Mick wouldn't. I think Mick would be right. like, "Oh, I got a cameo, cool." Uh, but and then he'd be like, "Oh, for Ken Shamrock, of course." And then you know, I'm sure Brett probably called and was like, "Dude, you gotta you gotta pay my rate, dude. Like, what yeah. are you doing? This is a professional <laughs> appearance." So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we spent enough time, I think, talking about Ken Shamrock, uh, you know, maybe one day when he hangs up the boots, uh, hopefully soon, um, we'll talk more about uh, maybe, uh, you know, some some of the historical, uh, you know, pretty good. He's had some good matches in the past, but I think those are pretty much all like 25 years ago at this point, almost. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be talking about him in the Hall of Fame and some of his older matches than this match right here. I mean, this was just... We did a great dark. job avoiding this match. So. <laughs> it was not great. It I think... 12 I, minutes. I mean, come on. It should have been I, two. <laughs> I think we've avoided it uh, enough that we said that we covered it so we can move on to the uh, four-way uh, Impact World Tag Team title match. Um, this one, uh, the Observer gives three stars. So pretty good rating there from Dave and the gang. Yeah, not bad. Um, 14 and a half minutes. We have the uh, defending Motor City Machine Guns. Um, 
against the good brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. The North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. And, of course, the tag team of Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. Uh, now, at the start of this, during the entrances, uh, Josh Alexander takes Alex Shelley and gives him what we all cringed on the couch uh, watching yeah. this, a brutal pile driver at the top of the ramp. This show it's, loves pile drivers, don't they? They do. I mean, <laughs> listen, outside outside of WWE, you're going to get a lot of pile drivers. Um, I will say that, you know, AEW more so does the Canadian Destroyer style, you know, kind right. of thing. Uh, maybe a little too much. Um, but pile drivers is like, that's the most brutal move you can do in Impact uh, canon, I think. Um, it's and really, brutal. I mean, it they, is a brutal move. <laughs> it is a brutal, brutal move. Um, and the way that Shelly acted on Twitter afterwards, because he was removed from this match, um, it, it was very hard to tell uh, at first if it was uh, a work or a shoot. Um, but Shelly seemed to say that he was like, he legitimately couldn't feel anything in his hand at first. Um, so, you know, but we all know uh, workers love to work and fans love to get work. So, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm believing that too much. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe I am. Uh, but listen, I mean, we both saw well, the. I mean, maybe they had so a pile driver at the beginning, driver. and they and they nailed it pretty pretty good. You know, it could be right. both. It could be either way. So, uh, but needless to say, uh, Chris Saban uh, works his ass off in this match. Spends the majority of the time in the ring uh, as the single uh, wrestler without a tag partner. Um, but ultimately, at the end, uh, the North winds up pinning Carl Anderson, um, which I thought was an interesting decision also uh, because we have not seen the Good Brothers lose, period. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, Carl Anderson, I, I believe he gets hit in the face with one of the titles and uh, gets rolled up, and that's all she wrote. Uh, but you know what? Pretty good match here. Like I said, the Observer gave it three stars. Uh, it's about a seven right now on cage match. So people really like that match. And, and I'll good. be honest. I, you know, it, it's it, if the main event didn't happen, this might have been the match of the night. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it didn't overstay its welcome. Uh, I was really surprised that Saban had to do it alone because uh, yeah. most of the machine guns are great workers. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty good. We didn't have to watch Doc Gallows too much, so that's not bad. Um, <laughs> but like we were talking about when we were watching the show here, you know, we also watched New Japan. So right. I didn't know, like we had talked about, like if the Good Brothers lose, you know, could they possibly be in any World Tag League? So I don't know. We'll see, right? I mean, they didn't win the titles, so they're not no, going to be on and, Impact as much. And they, but. they were backstage uh, on this week's Impact uh, in a backstage clip and a little brawl. Um, but I mean, they could have easily taped that. I mean, they taped it already, like right. way in advance. So who knows how much is taped for after Bound for Glory? I imagine they didn't get very far, um, because of what happened with this next match, which feels like a a pretty hot shot uh, audible that they had to to call. Um, like we we mentioned at the top, uh, Kylie Ray does not appear here for her uh, challenge to Deanna Perrazzo. Um, we, you know, it's been pretty well documented that, you know, Kylie Ray in the past has had some mental health uh, complications um, and, and some things. And, and we definitely want to be sensitive to that. Um, we definitely, you know, hope that she's okay, first and foremost, because she's not said anything on social media. Nobody seems right. to know what the full story is. 
the observer doesn't know. Uh, Sean uh, Sean Ross doesn't know. Um, so we're all just kind of waiting uh, to hear what exactly happened, and we may never know what exactly happened. Um, and you know, and if it is some, a personal issue, it, it's not really for us to know about, right? Um, so hopefully everything is okay with her. But uh, for the match itself, Deanna Perazzo is introduced first. Um, then Kylie Ray's music hits. Nobody comes out. Deanna makes a comment like, "See, she's not been here all day." Um, but you know what? I'm gonna. I'm the virtual, so I'm gonna defend this title against any man, woman, anything. And I keyed in when she said anything. Right. Because at that point, I was like, because I was thinking, okay, who's she gonna defend against now? Because she's at the ring. She's gonna. And then when she said anything, that that tipped me off in my head. I was like, oh, we're getting Sue Young now. Um, right. And enter Sue Young, um, who is uh, you know a pretty pretty creepy character, Dan. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> not too many, not too many characters that try to go for that creepster kind of monster, devilish kind of look, uh, pull it off quite the way that Sue Young does here. Yeah, she moves pretty demonically. Um, she, she, I wouldn't want to like see her out in like a in like a graveyard or anything, right? Sure, exactly. <laughs> or at the set of Halloween Havoc uh, this week uh, on NXT. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, she could give Shotzi a run for her money out there, right? <laughs> well. It, uh, Shotzi, uh, you know, uh, was looking great out there. Did a good job hosting that show. Uh, maybe at some point, uh, Sandy and I, you know, discussed maybe doing like a, a special quick, uh, Halloween special review. Maybe you'll see that. Uh, maybe you won't. If you do see it, look for it. Uh, if you don't see it too bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dim's the brakes. Hey, listen, the card's always subject to change, Dan. That's right. Um, and uh, that's what we've we learned seen throughout the show, too. right? Right. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, Sue Young comes out. Uh, it's a pretty good match. Uh, I liked it a little bit better than the Observer did. Uh, the Observer gives it two stars. Uh, the match goes 15 yeah, minutes, five seconds. It was better than that. <laughs> it was better than two, I thought. And and I think that they're uh, – unfortunately, the rating goes based off of the fact that it was supposed to be Kylie Ray in the match. Right. Um, and we were all pretty, you know, juiced up for that and ready to go. Um and, and and I think Sue Young stepped into a really difficult space, um, and she did great. I yeah, I thought the match was really good. Uh, the mandible claw with the uh, the bloody lace glove. Uh, I mean, nice. Listen, Always a nice touch. <laughs> oh, listen, if you do a mandible claw, but it's just your bare hand, okay, that's pretty brutal, right? I can understand that. But you do it like you know, it's not Mr. Sacco level of gross. But a no. bloody lace, but a bloody lace glove. I mean, it, it's up there. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Six of one, yeah. half dozen of the other on that. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And I will say, you know, shout outs to uh, you know Dr. Britt Baker for using a uh, a uh, latex glove, like a, a yeah. true dentist would, um, for when she does her mandible claw variation. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sue Young, you know, winds up getting the victory here on Deanna Perrazzo. Um and you know what, I really enjoyed the match. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll see kind of where the story goes. We've been speculating that Sue Young was coming for a while. Uh, they've been talking about it. Madison Rain uh, has been talking about it on commentary for like six weeks. Um, right. that Susie's starting to, you know, oh, that was something that Sue Young would have done. Oh, that's right. Sue Young's move. Uh, so, you know, uh, we thought it was going to come. It probably came a little early. Uh, yeah, they, it seems but, like they pulled the trigger on this, like just out of necessity. Um, yeah. But it seemed to work out, right? Yeah, it did. I think it did. Um, and and they've, you know, they have a, a kind of a goofball angle 
to get to the rematch uh, for this title um, with this week's episode of Impact. And we'll get into that with the barrister and that whole ordeal is just kind of nuts. Uh, but this is a good match. Uh, it stands on its own. It's a pretty, I mean, you want to talk about good, you know, women's matches. Uh, this one's up there. You know, I yeah. think definitely, definitely if you enjoy women's wrestling, this is a match for you to watch. <clears throat> but uh, that leaves us with one match here on our uh, Bound for Glory review, Dan. Uh, and that is the Impact World Title match between uh, the defending Eric Young and the challenger who's overcome all odds to get to this match. One Rich Swan, who threw us all for a loop because he decided to shave off all of his facial hair. Looks like a totally different guy. <laughs> I I literally had to double take because I've been watching Rich Swan probably what uh, since the Cruiserweight Classic uh, that right. that time frame, like three uh, or four years, three or four years, uh, pretty closely, and um, I was just completely blown away by how different the man looked. Uh, he looked like I don't know ten years younger. Yeah, um, definitely. And and also, I guess you know, if you want to be the baby face in the match, you better have that baby face cooking, right? Exactly. So, I <laughs> uh, I thought this match was really good. Um, it was uh, worthy of the main event, uh, certainly. Uh, it goes 21 minutes 31 seconds. The Observer gives it three and a half stars, um, which is a pretty good rating out of them for uh, for an Impact match, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, you know, Rich Swan. Uh, overcomes the odds again and uh, beats Eric Young. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. I mean, uh, I'll say this about it. it. I feel like it saved the whole show for me, right? Yeah. It, the whole show, the show before this, it, it had it, it had some ups, a lot of downs. They were having production issues all night, which we hadn't they really were. mentioned before too. Um, yeah. So it, it was just, it was like, yeah, to compare it to another uh, uh, company again. When we went to see All Out, right? Yeah. It's like that that show just felt cursed to us from like the beginning of the show and like just things kept going wrong and it seemed like we were on that path with this show too. Um but they pulled the nose up at the end I think. And the, this match it started out a little slow but it built up and it was it was almost like a kind of a, a new Japan style match to me where they yeah. built it up and and then at the end they were just going for it, right? And then uh, you know a great ending and and we got a new champion out of it. Yeah, and and you know, I, and I had thought maybe they didn't do the title switch here, um, just because you know there's no crowd to cheer for the baby face. But they did a good job with the, you know the locker room coming out and hoisting Rich yep. up. And uh, I will point out, you mentioned the the production issues uh, right at the start of the show. Uh, they had started rolling the intro package, and then they didn't like what it looked like, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and then they paused it. Like you actually saw uh, a mouse cursor come up and pause the video. <laughs> rewind it and then push play again at the start of the pre-show. Um, mm. So I don't know if the problem was with access. I don't know if it was with the studio in the impact zone. Uh, there's a story going around that uh, the French language uh, um, broadcast had to get scrapped last minute. Um, mm. Even though the French announcers were there, uh, they just couldn't, they couldn't broadcast it properly. The sound wasn't, uh, sound wasn't working. Yeah. So uh, tons of production issues. Um, but you know, overall the show is good. I think we, at the time before the main event, we were saying this is kind of like a pretty good episode of impact, mm-hmm. um, with some good matches and, and, you know, not a lot of backstage stuff. Um, and then this match definitely was a, a pay-per-view worthy match, uh, for sure. Right. Um, 
Eric Young busted out that uh, that middle rope wheelbarrow uh, neck breaker, um, <laughs> which yeah, if, if what I'm describing doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't make sense by words. You just have to go and watch it because it's pretty insane. Uh, yeah, I've never seen anything like that. I hadn't either. Um, so, you know, kudos to those guys uh, for, as you said, pulling the nose up. Um, and, you know, it's kind of fitting uh, that we inbound for glory with those two guys. And then we pick up immediately with this week's impact yeah. with Eric Young and Rich Swan going at it again backstage. Uh, of course, uh, Rich Swan is dressed, you know, to celebrate. He's in his, you know, his dress clothes, his, you know, his slacks, his uh, boat shoes. You know, he's just kind of chilling. Eric Young is full gear, just ripping into him backstage. <laughs> um, eventually, the brawling gets out to the ring, and it, the brawling goes on for a very long time before security and Scott Demore and everyone come out. Um, yeah, it was a little even, lax on the uh, security on that, but uh, it was funny. But even uh, Josh Matthews was like, uh, "Is somebody coming out here?" Like, <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, finally, Scott Demore and the security staff are out here." Like, uh, Josh Matthews always does, a, I think, a pretty funny job of uh, kind of pointing out the uh, the kind of the silliness of of what's going on on the screen. Right. Um, but uh, Eric Young is screaming about his rematch. Scott Demore is like, "No, you don't get your rematch this way. This isn't how it, how it's done." Uh, you got to do it the right way. You got to actually get it booked. And then Rich uh, says, you know what? No, let's do this thing. So Rich Swan, in slacks and bare feet, uh, agrees <laughs> to uh, let Eric Young cash in on his rematch clause. And uh, you know what? I like this match a lot too. Yeah, I mean, it was it was short. Um, it was. It was, it was like three minutes or something like that. Um, this quick, hard hitting match. Yeah, I, you know it. it is another match where it made me want to see them continue their feud and see another match with them possibly down the road. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it'll be interesting to see, cause I don't, I agree with you. I don't think that they're going to be done with this feud um, yeah. just because there doesn't really seem anywhere else for Eric Young to go right now. And right. he's been so good for them during this period since slam anniversary. Uh, I can't see them just, you know, cooling them off, off TV. It just doesn't make yeah. sense. I think this will go to hard to kill. Maybe they'll have another match there. Yeah, they'll probably have some kind of no DQ, uh, stick to the hard to kill theme, something like up, that. Up the stakes, yeah. Um, we do see uh, Rich Swan backstage throughout this episode, uh, interacting with different talent. Um, you know, he at one point uh, runs into Moose. Moose uh, says that Rich is only second best, uh, of course, because he's the TNA. Uh, world heavyweight champion and rich is only the impact champion um and i think this man's out of his mind what is he doing he's he is really out of his gourd and i think there's someone else that that rich talks to backstage um i can't think of it but uh, i do want to point out that a rich swan in slacks and no shoes did uh for his finisher do a second rope phoenix splash um, yeah, I was watching insane. that. I was like, is he going to go to the third row? No, he's doing it off the second rope. What is it? He's nuts. I mean, but he still nailed it. So. He nailed it. That, Good it, for him. It might even be better than Rich Swan in full gear from the third rope. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I neither one of us trains, so I don't know how much more stable the second rope is than the third rope for jumping purposes. Um, right. Maybe he just figured if I'm going to slip, it's going to be not as far from the second rope. That's kind yeah, of how that, I thought. That might have been a, like not as yeah. much elevation. So, so but yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, we'll have to check right. with Josh number one on that. 
<laughs> his expertise. Well, we, we might check with Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy. Sandy's been at this a little bit longer, I think, than Josh number one. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and, and certainly we can ask Logan. Uh, Logan does do some uh, some jumping from the turnbuckles. And uh, Logan has actually got like 100 matches under his belt already. So, uh, you know, and, and he's not been doing it a long time. So, like I said, I mentioned it earlier, but keep your eyes on Logan Cruz. Um, he was supposed to uh, have a match with a major promotion, uh, and then it wound up getting scrapped because of uh, COVID. Um, so uh, that's very unfortunate. Yep. Uh, and, and not from him. Uh, I, I want to point that out. He didn't. He wasn't the one that caused the scrap. So uh, next up on the uh, the docket here, we have Brian Myers versus Tommy Dreamer in the hardcore Halloween match. And uh, this match, I thought, was a lot of fun. I did, too. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was they pulled out some crazy stuff like um, I laughed out loud when Tommy hit Brian with the ring bell in his crotch. Yes. <laughs> I'm a sucker for stuff like that. <laughs> and the best part about that is, is that that would literally do nothing. <laughs> like the, <laughs> right. To put the ring bell, the wooden part of the ring bell up against the crotch and then ring the bell. Uh, it's it a silly a funny noise. It's a I mean, so spot. It's entertaining. And it's Tommy. Listen, Tommy is, you know, anytime you put Tommy out there with unlimited weapons, I, you know, he is of course the innovator of violence exactly. and he's, he's going to innovate, right? Uh, the ring bell spot was pretty funny. Uh, there's, you know, he had the, the trash can out, uh, ringside and Brian Myers at one point tries to pick up a tra- the trash can, um, which has a uh, walker on top of it. Um, <laughs> and he can't pick it up. And we're just like, I was like, I, the whole time I was racking my brain, I was like, what the hell is in that trash can that they're trying right. to sell? Like, is it like, bricks is it like what is it right like and obviously he's selling that he can't but he can obviously pick it up um but i was just i couldn't figure it out and of course you know after he can't pick it up tommy dreamer you know gets him off of it and then pretends to walk with the walker like oh you think i'm an old man huh and he just whacks the shit out of him <laughs> with that walker it's great <laughs> it, it really was and then uh of course uh, and this was the scariest part of the match for me he takes a, a bag of candy corn and thumbtacks uh, I'm more worried about the candy corn, Dan, uh, than the thumbtacks for Tommy Dreamer, just because uh, I'm, you know, maybe I'm in the minority, but uh, candy corn is absolutely disgusting. I'm not a fan. I don't like candy corn, but I also don't like thumbtacks either. So. <laughs> That's a fair point. A fair point. So, of course, you know, because it's Tommy Dreamer, because it's a hardcore match, there's going to be thumbtacks, you know. I've told Tommy before, man, hey, lay off the thumbtacks, will you? I don't need to see that anymore. And he said, well, I don't need to see it anymore either. And yet he still does it uh, time and time again. So, Tommy, uh, once again, man, hear my plea. No more thumbtacks, please. <laughs> I know you weren't the one that took the bad bump in it, but please, no more thumbtacks. Uh, but, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, at one point, uh, Brian Meyer or Tommy goes up on the turnbuckle to uh, attempt to do something. Uh, Brian Myers slips away, climbs up on the turnbuckle, starts hitting him. Tommy counters by biting him in the forehead mm-hmm. uh, in more of a gnawing uh, kind of motion. <laughs> Did you ever play the 8-bit Nintendo game, Pro Wrestling? Mm-hmm. There was the uh, the fish man that would bite your face. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> well, I mean, if, there, if anyone on the Impact roster could be called a fish man, I think it would probably be Tommy Dreamer. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he just – I mean – 
you know, as a joke, but also literally it looks like he'd be one of those guys out of, you know, Pike's Place Market, uh, Fish Market in uh, Seattle, you know, just catching fish and throwing them at each other, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that feels like a Tommy Dreamer kind of job. Um, but, you know, he does the bite, the gnaw, and then he goes, bye-bye, and he just shoves Brian Myers, <laughs> falling back uh, like he shot out of a cannon just with a two-hand shove, and he lands flat back on the candy corn and thumbtacks, uh, and he picks up a million of these things, Dan. Yeah, it looked rough. <laughs> I, don't, like, I, don't, I don't know how you learn to do something like that, man. I, if I get one thumbtack and, like, stick it in my thumb on accident, you know, I'm, like, running right. around like a baby. You make it a literal thumbtack, right? And then that's yeah. that's that. Yeah, I, I sharp metal objects um, don't – I don't really want any part of that. And what's crazy, too, is and, – and I've always thought this, too, when you talk about pro wrestling thumbtacks – the referee still has to count three on that mat. Yeah, that was and, the one thing I noticed. He was just smacking right in the middle of that. I, I was like, he's going to just like impale his hand with these tacks. And I, he I was, was like, going with a full hard three count there, Dan. Crazy. I'm like, man, if I, what happens if he hits his hand on a thumbtack and it sticks? He's not going to be yeah. able to continue. He's going to go, ah, in the middle of it, right? Like, just I guess you can make that as far of an angle of the match, right? <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you know, Brian Myers uh, does eventually uh, – uh, wind up losing. So nice to see Tommy Dreamer get off the snide here. He's lost a few matches in a row. Uh, but, you know, hey, you give Tommy Dreamer 10 minutes, uh, 11 minutes here, uh, 43 seconds, uh, to come up with some violence. Uh, and you did have some help, though. You, you, you did. did you oh, the mission. I did. Was in the I, trash completely, can. I completely forgot. <laughs> and this is a callback to Bound for Glory uh, because uh, we mentioned Swoggle uh, did come into the gauntlet match uh, at Bound for Glory. He and Brian Myers, of course, are really good friends. Uh, historically, they go way back. Brian Myers uses his help to eliminate uh, – who is it that he eliminated? Was it Davari? I believe it was Davari he eliminated so. with the help of, of Swoggle. He needed some help with Davari. That man was a tank. <laughs> he was. I, I mean, I, I know it sounds like like we're swooning over the guy, but really, the guy. I mean, the guy was absolutely was jacked. Good for him. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back back to that. Uh, so then, uh, Brian Myers uh, has Swoggle seated on like the top rope after his getting his help uh, eliminating Davari, uh, and then he just kind of says, "Hey man, good to see you." He's like, "Oh yeah, man, good to see you too." And then he just shoves him off into the arms of Davari uh, to the outside, eliminating Swoggle. Very rude. Very, very heelish. unprofessional. You know, right? For the most professional wrestler, uh, Brian Myers to be so unprofessional, it's just. Horrible. Um, but then uh, fast forward to Tuesday night in the finish of this match, we find out uh, what is in the trash can. And it is actually, of course, uh, none Swoggle. other than Swoggle, who uh, <laughs> comes out and uh, helps Tommy Dreamer by taking salad tongs mm-hmm. and squeezing Brian Myers' giblets with it. <laughs> As Which, one does with your salad tongs, right? I mean, what else would you do, right? Uh, and I, I will say when he did it, I, I legitimately laughed out loud, um, just at the pure, the pure nonsense of it. <laughs> right. It was completely expected when you saw the salad tongs and you saw Swoggle, what was going to happen. But sometimes well, the expected thing when it happens, it's the best, right? Right. Exactly. And, and you know, I mean, if you've watched, uh, Swoggle, uh, at all over the years, you know, that he is a, a great height for low blows, um, mm-hmm. because for him, they're pretty much straight blows. Um, and so they, they definitely use that here and uh, get Tommy Dreamer the win. 
And hey, listen, no DQ is no DQ. You know what I mean? Moving right along. Um, yeah, we had the I mean, tag I, match. we had the tag match next. I was trying to think if there was anything to talk about backstage. There's a lot of so this episode has as the the wedding of Rosemary and, and Johnny Bravo, and we'll talk um, a decent amount about that because that's kind of pretty much we're almost done with all the wrestling in this show. Uh, there's only four matches, um, and we'll spend some time. So there's a lot of backstage stuff with the wedding and. Hernandez comes after Fala Ba. Fala Ba says he doesn't have the money. I only took the money from you for Johnny Bravo. And Bravo finds out that he told Hernandez about the money. And he's like, listen, I'm going to tell Hernandez that you have the money still because you do. And I never told you to take it from him. So he's going to whoop your ass. It was just, a, it was kind of a mess of a backstage. It was an extra storyline that's. It was extraneous and I didn't really follow. And I was just kind of half paying attention during it. It just seemed like filler. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of this episode feels like is a lot of filler just to get to the wedding um, because no real reason for triple XL and, and the Rascals to wrestle a third or maybe fourth time in the past two weeks. Um, they have good matches together. And I'll say that. And, mm-hmm. and I do want to point out that Larry D and AC Romero, uh, obviously both uh, really doing an awesome job, losing a lot of weight, uh, getting healthier Um and, and they were already talented wrestlers before weight loss. Weight loss is not, you know, giving them any more value in any sort of way uh, other than, you know, hopefully it's making them healthier and be, be uh, more in control of that, um, yeah. that aspect of I mean, their personal they, lives. They're still dwarf most of the guys in, that they're in oh, the sure, ring with. Sure, sure. <laughs> right. Even after losing 100 pounds. So. Right. I mean, AC Romero went from 475 to 375. Um, and, and a lot of people are, are still very like, listen, tune out Twitter comments. Just don't, if you want to like read what the people that you follow post do that, don't read the threads because it will show you just this ugly side of humanity, uh, especially in, in professional wrestling Twitter. Um, there's no reason uh, whatsoever to, to talk about, you know, Oh, I doubt you've lost that much weight. Man, 475 to 375 is a huge deal. Um, <laughs> it's a whole person. <laughs> it's a whole person. And you know what? Uh, our, our hat's off uh, to both uh, AC and then Larry's. I don't think lost that much, but they both have slimmed up. They're they're really trying to, to get better at their craft. Um, I thought they, they performed pretty well here with the Rascals, who are, of course, you know, a couple of, of really lightweight cruiserweights. Yeah. Uh, Des and Wentz. They have some good chemistry between the two teams. Um, you know, Triple XL, they, they have their style, and then the Rascals have their high-flying, you know, RLPW style. And you really wouldn't think they would mesh together that well, but they, they play off each other pretty well, I think. So I enjoy all do. the matches they've had. They do, and I think that's probably why we get that, that match again here, is just because, like, okay, well, we've got a, some clear audibles. You know, I'm, maybe there was supposed to be a Heath and Rhino thing this episode, right. and they had to pivot from it. Oh, we got to throw a tag team match out there. We can't run back, uh, you know, mostly machine guns because Shelly's not ready. So throw out this one, right? And it's a match that you can go to, uh, obviously. Um, and they do a pretty good job. Um, they actually, Triple uh, XL gets the win from a Larry D splash, um, <laughs> which I did not think that we'd ever see. Um, but like I mentioned, he's lost some weight. He's looking pretty good. And uh, it was a pretty, I mean, it wasn't like the prettiest splash ever. Uh, it kind of flailed a little bit when he jumped, 
but for a man that size, of that stature to get up on the top rope and do it, you know, hats off to him. Yeah, definitely. Take some, take some courage, <laughs> take some skill. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, big ups, I believe it was Dez, uh, who ate the splash. Um, you know, after, after, you know, working a match to, to take a splash from a guy that's, you know, twice your size, even though, you know, it was a safe splash. There was no, like it, it hit where it was supposed to, uh, right. that still can't feel like a million bucks. Uh, I can't no. imagine. Um, so, but you know, kudos to those guys. Great match, uh, for, for our Tuesday night, uh, probably the match of the night. Uh, if we don't, well, I, from a traditional like hardcore match, match. <laughs> traditional match, the hardcore Halloween match was the best match of the night. Um, there's not much to say about this next one. Um, they did uh, during Bound for Glory. They announced that they're bringing back the Knockouts Tag Team titles, uh, which is awesome. Um, they obviously have a bunch of teams already set up um, to kind of go for this. One of those teams is obviously Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles, um, and of course they have kind of a funny backstage moment where Alicia Edwards is kind of left going like, well, "Who wants to be a partner with me? Like, I gotta find a partner. Like, what's going on right. here?" And uh, Tennille is uh, in part of that group uh, standing by with Caleb with a K. Jordan Grace is standing there. They're kind of the three that are left waiting. Uh, Jordan and Tennille exchange a, a glance and just go, uh, no. And then they walk <laughs> off. Uh, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles try to bully Alicia a little bit about not having a partner. And Jordan says, you know what? I'll be your partner tonight. We're going to teach these girls a lesson. And uh, so that's our final wrestling match of the night is a knockouts tag team match uh, between Kiera Hogan and Tasha Steeles versus Alicia Edwards and Jordan Grace. And I think my favorite part of this match was Alicia Edwards trying to flex like Jordan Grace during their uh, intro. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's yeah. not to take away from the wrestling in the ring because uh, you know, the girls worked their asses off. Uh, but she definitely, at one point, you know, Jordan does her, uh, her turnbuckle spot when she does her intro and does the big flex. And in the corner of the screen, you see Alicia standing on the bottom rope, uh, throwing up a flex. And, and you know, you can see Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles are, like, shoot laughing at it, right? Like, they're not in character. Right. Like, they're having such a hard time just because uh, we know Big Mama Pump uh, has got much larger arms than Alicia Edwards does. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but getting into the match a little bit, uh, you know, it was fun. It wasn't. It wasn't anything uh, spectacular, so to speak. No, um, it's just, it it kind of seemed was, more yeah. like more like a filler match. You know, it was okay. Yeah. Um, they they uh, kind of slightly building towards the knockouts tag uh, tournament, title yeah. tournament. Um, but really, nothing of <laughs> nothing of substance really happened during it. No, I think probably the best move of the match uh, was uh, Alicia Edwards went for a tag. Uh, and Tasha Steeles caught her midair and actually took a couple of steps and turned and, and turned it into a spine buster, um, right. which is pretty nice. Yeah. You, know, you don't really see the, a lot of strength moves out of Hogan or Steeles. Um, so uh, pretty solid there uh, out of Tasha Steeles. She, of course, gets a roll up uh, on Alicia Edwards uh, with a schoolgirl, not to be confused with the schoolboy roll up, <laughs> the schoolgirl roll up. School person. Uh, school person. Um, so. Uh, that's the wrestling for the show. Uh, I do want to point out, uh, possibly, uh, the next feud for Moose is Willie Mack, uh, after he assaults right. him in the parking lot. 
after a conversation they had earlier in the night uh, when Moose confronted Rich, because, of course, William Mack and Rich Swan are best friends. Uh, William Mack keeps losing for, for, Rich Swan, uh, <laughs> for Rich Swan's honor. He's got to stop doing that. <laughs> Yeah. Stop picking stop picking fights with guys. Stand up for yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I love what you know, this show loves Willie Mack. So, you know, we definitely uh, we want Willie to win something. That's why we pointed out. Well, I think those guys can have some good matches as long as I, I don't want to see a cinematic match between the two. But, you know, they're both big athletic guys. They could probably go. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be like you said, I, that's a great point out of you, because I think that match will be awesome. Um, yeah. And I don't think it lasts all the way to hard to kill. Maybe we get that with the. Uh, the November or the December network special uh, on Impact right. Plus. Yeah, we'll see. We, I mean, we got you know two two minor cards to fill for those shows, and of course, uh, Hard to Kill uh, in January. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, let's talk about what is the I guess the main event, so to speak. Everybody's of, favorite thing in wrestling: weddings. It's a, it's a wrestling <laughs> wedding. Wrestling weddings, as you know, Dan, never go wrong. Right? <laughs> I've never seen one go right. Um, I've seen a lot of wrestling weddings in my time. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your favorite wrestling wedding? Uh, I mean, well, I mean, I guess one kind of went right with Macho Man and Elizabeth. Um, true, true. Until it went I, wrong later on when they, when they yeah. unfortunately divorced. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we've we've seen what it was. Uh, what was it? Uh, Teddy Long and Crystal. I think they got married once on SmackDown uh-huh. and that went yep. bad. Um, there was uh, Don Marie and Tori Wilson's dad, Al Wilson, had a had a had a wedding yep. that went uh-huh. wrong. <laughs> yes. Billy and Chuck were supposed to get married during SmackDown one time. And I think that went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Test and Stephanie, you know, that's probably one of the, the greatest horrible weddings of all time. Uh, yeah, that one was, oof. I, I don't know that I uh, can condone the uh, subject matter necessarily for that one. Um, I'm just, I'm looking through a list of wrestling weddings here. Um, <laughs> uh, Stacy Stacey Keebler and David Flair and Monday Night Show. Oh, yeah. Back Classic. in 2000. <laughs> uh, Billy and Chuck, you're correct. Uh, we're supposed to get uh, married. Um, uh, Bischoff uh, and, you know, made sure that didn't happen. Uh, this right. is post-WCW. Uh, is there any makeup off, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Um, let's see. Let's see. Kane and Lita. Uh, <laughs> Edge and Lita. Come on, Lita. Uh, shout out to shout out to Amy Dumas though. Um, Edge and Vicky Guerrero, how can you forget? Oh. Um, <laughs> and then you know we've had a few in Impact as well. Uh, you know, Kurt and Karen Angle. Uh, you know, we'll uh, oof, loosen up the uh, shirt collar for what happened there. <laughs> um, and then uh, Jay Lethal and uh, SoCal Val also uh, were married at Slammiversary in uh, 08. Nice. Um, well, I should say we're going to be. Uh, but it was interrupted by the best man, Sanjay Dutt, and uh, George the Animal Steel, Kamala, uh, Birdman, Coco Beware, and Jake the Snake were all in attendance for that wedding at Slammiversary. Because it's an all-star cast. You got to get a paycheck. <laughs> so I love uh, all those guys. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's a pretty star-studded, uh, star-studded thing there. 
Um, but here we have uh, the wedding of Johnny Bravo and the demon assassin Rosemary. Um, yeah. There is a few too many references to uh, Johnny Bravo's uh, virginal blood uh, for my liking. Um, yeah, it kind of harped on that quite a bit. Uh, a lot. The family show kind of pushed, <laughs> pushed the limits there. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's, it's well documented. I watch wrestling with my four and my three-year-old quite a bit. Uh, thankfully, I don't really watch a whole lot of impact with them because uh, when we started doing this podcast, of course, uh, Rob Van Dam and uh, Katie Forbes were still a part of the <laughs> roster. Um, and I just don't need my son uh, at four years old uh, watching Katie Forbes twerk across the television screen right now. And, and not because there's anything wrong with what she's doing, but because, I, quite frankly, I don't want to have that conversation right now. Um, but uh, we, we see the culmination um, of Havoc. Uh, who lost to Rosemary last week, agrees to bring back Father James Mitchell. Um, and Father James Mitchell comes back to officiate the wedding. Scary um, dude. <laughs> he is, yeah, I mean, you know, so, so we talked about, you know, okay, Sue Young is pretty uh, intimidating. Um, and, and we do need to go back to Sue Young here in a minute because we completely skipped that segment. Maybe we won't, won't go back. We'll just say Sue Young came out and attacked Deanna Perrazzo after her lawyer demanded that Scott Demore put the belt back on Perrazzo and Scott Demore, of course, uh, said, no, you get your rematch. And yeah, it, it was a long drawn out. <laughs> it took, it was multiple segments. Segment. Um, and I will say that the barrister and Kimberly both ate mandible claws. And when Scott Demore tried to break it up, he did get red mist. Um, I did like that part. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was pretty bad. Sucker for mist. <laughs> I mean, you know, who, who isn't right. Right. Um, so, Back to the wedding. Uh, now that we've touched on, you know where that that's going to be. I, I guess next week we're going to see the uh, knockouts title match. Um, the wedding starts. The bridal party comes out. Of course, you know Swinger, Balaba, uh, Swaggle is now a part of the bridal party because I guess uh, it's all over not? this show. Uh, <laughs> he is. I mean, hey, listen, man, Dylan, get your paychecks, dude. Seriously, I think he just had a book come out, or if it's been out for a little I bit. So, you know, definitely, uh, definitely check out the book uh, if you're a fan of uh, books uh, or wrestlers <laughs> or wrestling books, um, I guess. Right? <laughs> um, Is it a short story? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, you're going to hell for that. Just so, just yeah. so you're aware. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, uh, the Deaners are out there. Crazy Steve, Alicia Edwards, Ty Valkyrie. Uh, they're all a part of the bridal party, of course. Um, they go through the vows. Uh, Bravo is uh, wearing a white suit with uh, purple secondary colors. Uh, looks pretty sharp, if you ask me, uh, with the exception of the top hat and, of course, the Valkyrie earmuffs. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I, why not, I guess. Special uh, Rose- touch, just for her. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> Rosemary her is kind of uh, Beetlejuice uh, adjacent here with her outfit. Um, the vows from Bravo were very strange. Um, and then, uh, Rosemary gives, uh, a, a paragraph and a half, two paragraphs of, uh, memorized, uh, dialogue that I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, so and maybe, let, maybe let it wasn't memorized for a second. So, so, you know, like I talked about on the last show, I haven't been watching impact a real long time. Um, I don't know anything about Johnny Bravo other than, wasn't he a referee at one point? Yes, he was um, a referee. Uh, and then. Uh, eventually uh, revealed to be on the side of 
uh, Johnny Impact, uh, who of course we know also as John Morrison, uh, right. and uh, his wife uh, in real life. Uh, I don't know that they were. I believe they were married in the show as well. Uh, Taya Valkyrie. Uh, okay. And so now Bravo is still managing technically Taya, uh, but because of the Rosemary Taya friendship, he got to know Rosemary, and then eventually through Russell House, fell in love, and and you know now here we are. So my next question about Mr. Bravo. Um, it goes back to our discussion earlier about the rock with copyright law. Like Johnny Bravo was a cartoon, right? On a cartoon network. Yes. How does he just like get to be called Johnny Bravo? Did Turner not trademark well, that name? It's because of spelling. So Johnny Bravo, the cartoon is J O H N N Y Bravo. This okay. is John E period Bravo. So J O H N then a space, then a middle oh, initial man. of okay. E, and then Bravo. So yes, uh, I, I, no. It sounds exactly the same when you say it. There's no difference. That's how phonetics works. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I, it took me uh, looking at the Impact roster back when we started this to um, understand that it was not Johnny. It was John E. Okay. Very carny. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, Tommy Dreamer is a part of the bridal party too. Um, and probably the most important part, and, and I'll get to that as to why uh, shortly here. Um, it looks like um, Crazy Steve, by the way, he's like dressed up like uh, like a Catholic priest, which I thought was interesting. And also walked Rosemary to the aisle, uh, which goes back to uh, an older, you know, back in the archives. If you want to learn about the, uh, alliance of, of Rosemary and Crazy Steve and all that stuff uh, going back. Um, you can go check that out in your own time. I'm not going to delve into that tonight. Um, nope. Let's move forward. <laughs> we're moving forward. So we have the vows. Uh, like I said, Rosemary gives a pretty good performance. She really knows her character in and out, right? Um, I did think it was funny, and, and just from a production standpoint, everyone comes out to the ring with this you know, kind of stock wedding music. Uh-huh. And then when it's time for Rosemary to walk down the aisle, they hit her Titan Tron and her music. Um, it's a way to do it. Instead of Here Comes the Bride, right? Just the cemetery song, whatever that crooning uh, emo guy is singing about. Right. So, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a funny touch. Uh, so, uh, the whole time, uh, they keep on making these little, like, uh, is it, you know, uh, Bravo at one point is like, and uh, I'm going to marry her, and no one's going to keep me from doing that. And everyone just right. stops, looks around. <laughs> well, okay, as well, you know, well, during <laughs> during wrestling weddings, you know, somebody always has to like, you know. They definitely sp- acknowledge the tropes. Speak now or forever hold your right. peace, right? Exactly. Um, they acknowledge they the tropes. They even acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, then I think Rosemary says something and uh, Father uh, Mitchell is like looking around again like, no, okay. Well, then uh, I think he says something like uh, probably the – power invested in me by the Lord below or something like, yep. you know, some <laughs> reference to Satan, of, of course. course. Um, Cause if you look at his eyebrows, I mean, this guy's eyebrows are pure like Satan energy, right? Hey, he's scary dude, man. He, he's super <laughs> creepy. <laughs> he is. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how else he shows up uh, in this uh, whole ordeal here. Um, but when he says, uh, you may now kiss the bride. We uh, have the lights go out here. A oh, we're getting of, a lights out match. <laughs> we're getting the lights out. 
I thought Cody Rhodes might be there for a second. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but no, it was not. Uh, and in fact, when the lights come on, of course, we see a flash of light when the lights with the, with the sound of a gunshot. And the lights come on. And Bravo is lying in the middle of the ring, dead. Now, are we sure he's dead? Uh, so I'm looking at uh, – I'm on Impact's website right now on my secondary screen. And they keep showing the, the scene where he gets uh, shot. And he's lying there. Uh, and there's – the blood is pouring out of uh, what can only be described as where the heart is. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they wanted to make sure that everyone uh, walks away. Now, if he's actually dead – we don't know. It's professional wrestling. Yeah. Lots of people I have bet died. he comes back at some point, Josh. I'm a... <laughs> but I'm he might, my theory is that he might come back uh, kind of undead. I, well, it'd now, be fitting, we, right? We, we play in this realm of the undead uh, quite a bit here on Impact. She might resurrect him. She might. I mean, you know, she needed that virginal blood for something. Yeah. So... And if she didn't, uh, they've mentioned it uh, way too much for it to not be a plot point. <laughs> right. Um, but I, as, as, uh, as we see Bravo Lang uh, bloodied and shot, uh, we see uh, none other than uh, Tommy Dreamer. Because, by the way, this is a costume uh, party Halloween uh, uh, wedding. And uh, he's dressed up, of course, as his good friend uh, Animal still. And uh, he climbs on top of uh, Bravo's body and does uh, the the old uh, pan out shot why uh, moment right. and I know it's supposed to be corny and I I I bit into it so I laughed when I when Tommy hit him with the why um, because it is you know it's full on Tommy Dreamer giving it all yeah there I mean that's what I found enjoyable about it is these guys aren't taking it seriously they know how goofy it is and they're just you know leaning way into it. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, way into it. Uh, one thing I didn't like is that, um, about the wedding, is that Father Mitchell does call uh, Swaggle the ring imp. Um, <laughs> I, 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 listen, yeah. Dylan obviously wouldn't have let him say that if he was uncomfortable with it. Um, but, I think it was more know, the demonic side rather than the right, hype but side. Also, but yeah, we know, imp, we know imps are great. small creatures. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, you but it said mean, ring demon or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or just, you know, who's got the rings. Something. I mean, he didn't need to call attention to it that way, but you know, maybe that's me being, uh, you know, a millennial and being overly, uh, uh, cautious about that type of thing. I personally wouldn't have said it. Um, yeah. just because, you know, like I said, even if, even if Dylan was all cool about it and like told him to say it, um, you know, you never know, you don't, you just want to, don't want to put anybody in that position. Uh, but that's impact wrestling uh for this week interesting fallout from from the pay-per-view not a whole lot of it other than the uh the cash-in of the uh, rematch clause by eric young that was quickly dismissed uh too fast to to actually be done as we said earlier um we're gonna have a rematch next week for the knockouts championship um and there's a couple other random i think chris bay is gonna wrestle Trey miguel next week uh there's no implications of anything just that's what's gonna happen just RLPW. That's all it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I hope they give that, you know, about a seven-minute slot, uh, eight-minute slot at least. Because yeah, Impact, Impact is pretty good about giving everyone but the main event about the same amount of time. Um, and you know, the main the main event of the wrestling portion is always going to go a little longer, uh, typically 
Uh, but Tommy Dreamer uh, clocks in with the longest match of this week's uh, impact at 11 minutes, 43 seconds. Uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, Tommy Dreamer, uh, you know, he's got got some more tricks up his sleeve uh, for Brian Myers. I don't think that one's done either. I was going to ask you about that. Do you think they keep going with that? I mean, uh, you think Brian gets it. his win back next week or in a couple of weeks? Uh, well, I mean, Brian's already got two on him, right? I mean, I, to have a third match and then the other guy win to make it 2-1, uh, to me it seems like they're going to continue it. Uh, maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't see where Brian's going to go otherwise um, because it seems like he's a character that would not want to pursue the X Division championship, uh, but right. rather the – uh, the main title, the, the Impact World Championship. Um, you know, uh, it's hard to say. It really is. I mean, and then, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns uh, tease, they want to uh, cash in their uh, their rematch as soon as Shelly is ready. Triple XL attacks them backstage to, to say that they want their shot. They've been beating everybody around, is what AC says. Uh, when actually reality, I think they've beaten the Deaners once. And the Rascals <laughs> twice. So, hot streak. <laughs> you know, hot streak. And, you know, and listen, AC, AC, I'm sure, is aware of that too when he said it. He just has to sell the uh, sell the match, man. Got, got to bring the gate in, so they say. Um, but, you know, I thought it was uh, all around a pretty good week for them. I thought it was a pretty good show. I mean, it went by pretty quick. Um, some of the backstage segments drug a little bit. Uh, yeah. The only real segment i didn't like was the diana and that barrister segment yeah agreed um but everything was pretty good it left on a, a cliffhanger you know yeah. so now i gotta tune in next week find out what now do you think they're gonna reveal what <laughs> happened or are they gonna string this out um i think this do doesn't think get do? i think this doesn't get resolved until the network special for the for the month um uh if not later uh, i just it, it feels like a bigger story um i i feel like I, I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction for, for who shot Bravo. And I think people are going to try and theorize uh, and come up with these grandiose things. Oh, oh maybe you know, Rosemary had it set up because she just needed his blood. And with him shot, she can get it. And, you know, whatever, right? Um, I think it was just purely over the money that Father Boss stole. I think Hernandez shot him. Yeah. Well, they, they kind of hinted at that earlier in the show. When right. uh, Hernandez was kind of whooping on him. Um, so on uh, follow by yeah. So it I mean, might just be the simplest explanation, right? And we're seeing with impact, they're not afraid to just stick with what is right in front of you. Um, right. And they've definitely predicted what's happening in later shows with commentary and with you know other things that are happening. So uh, to me, I, I think that's the simplest thing. I can't really see it being anyone else. Um, truthfully. It could, they could go really wacky, or they, like you said, they could just go straightforward. Like here, we already told you this is what's going to happen, so this is what happened. So right. let me ask you this: How do you feel about a a a gun murder <laughs> on your wrestling as a father watching this with your kids? <laughs> well, like I said, uh, yeah, thankfully my kids don't really tune into uh, the Weekly Impact uh, show with me. There has been stuff like the kids have walked in before, uh, you know, when, when Moose uh, bloodied EC3's face um, on the boardwalk a couple weeks ago uh, in the lead up to this uh, pay-per-view uh, that I had to, you know, shoo Molly out of the room. Uh, she likes to come and sit in and, and, and my lap and watch wrestling when I'm – I'll have my, my work going on my computer and I'll have wrestling going up on a second screen. 
and she'll like to come and sit and watch the wrestling with me. Uh, I've been typically tending to do impact when they're not around just because there are some things like I mentioned uh, that have kind of been like, I don't want to explain that uh, right now to a four-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, but yeah, they didn't see the gunshot. Uh, so okay for me right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it certainly, uh, when you're talking TV PG wrestling, um, I don't know. It, 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 I don't think they need to do it. Um, but it, I'm not offended by it. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's guns in, in damn near everything, uh, these days. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't really like it. I don't like guns being introduced in wrestling. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of crossing a line with me. I, I'm not going to like totally decry it because i want to see where the story goes maybe it won't even sure. be a gun maybe it'll be something else you know who knows right. yeah it, it could be right it yeah, could be I some mean, demonic power that shot out of rosemary or right. you know, father james mitchell could do something I, who knows yeah i just so, don't want it to be like something that <laughs> occurs a lot where we're getting in like <laughs> gang warfare with guns and stuff right and yeah that's you know, a little too much which so. you know with hernandez i i, th- I would Trust a, a, a larger company uh, that we are aware of uh, to take the stereotype of Hernandez and make it into a gang warfare thing. Oh, God. Um, and thankfully, <laughs> right, exactly. See, you know exactly where that would go. Um, thankfully, I don't think that's really a thing that's that impact has ever really fallen into, at least, you know, not since dropping the TNA branding, right? Yeah. Um, they, they typically stay away from stereotypes. They've been really good about, uh, you know, true intergender wrestling um, and making that, you know, feel like it's an actual wrestling match and not a gimmick um, and, and really, you know, treating the talent as talent. Um, so hopefully uh, that stays true and this is something that, you know, pays off in, in a good way. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I you know, I'll be the first one to say that it didn't work, um, but we don't know yet. I think so yeah. far, so far it's worked. Um, it wasn't egregious that you don't see any gunshot. You don't, all you see is a flash right. of light and a sound, um, which is probably why they were able to do it. Um, yeah. very theatrical. It's not like realistic or it's, anything. Right. So. It was very much like if you went to see a high school play and there was a gunshot in a high school play, right. the lights would go off. You'd hear a, a canned noise. It didn't sound too realistic. And then right. the, one of the actors would be on they the ground with a ketchup a couple packet. Of two by fours together. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean that kind of uh, that closes the book uh, on this week's impact, uh, Dan. You know, thanks again for for jumping on in a pinch. Uh, yeah, no problem. Before you go, I always enjoy my time here and discussing impact. It's a good yeah, time. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, uh, we're we're the only show on the network doing it. Um, you know, and before uh, I let you get out of here, uh, I do want to ask you if uh, you got a favorite video game that you'd recommend for Halloween. Well, I tell you what, this is gonna. It's not really a new game because I just talked about it with you a few weeks ago. But, um, you know, since I talked to you, I replayed the Batman games. There you go. Um, I'm trying to 100% Arkham Knight right now, which I never did before. I got to the Riddler trophies and just kind of moved on. Sure. Um, yeah, but, like most but of us. Now yeah. I'm just like, I get, I get motivated to do it. But there's a lot of horror elements in those games, which um, it's kind of surprising. I mean, they, like, you've got the man bat jumping out at you. The Joker's just evil and, like, evil clown, you know. The scarecrow is just, he's like a, a demon. Um, there's a lot of horror elements to it. It's kind of like a Halloween-style game. Yeah, there is. And, you know, uh, that's a great, great recommendation. 
Uh, I gave mine in the top of the uh, the episode with Lane, so check out both parts of our episode. Um, really fun stuff. Of course, you know, tune into all the podcasts here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Uh, you know, of course, you got One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, All Things Elite. We got the Grave Consequences Podcast, Grow Them and Watch This Shit. Uh, and of course, the Great Match Generator, and and you know, of course, uh, yours truly uh, here on the Eight Bit Suplex. Hopefully, we'll get Sandy back next week, um, and hopefully, she's feeling better. Uh, we're thinking about you, Sandy. Um, get well, Sandy. And uh, you know, definitely go out and uh, have a, a great, safe, socially distanced, mask wearing Halloween. Uh, you know, if you're doing any trick or treating with your kids, be just be super careful with it. Um, we are we are going to do one street on my uh, in-laws uh, street, uh, and we're kind of uh, packaging my my mother-in-law's birthday is thankfully November second, so we're going to do uh, Halloween uh, slash her birthday uh, over at my in-laws, and there then let, we're going to have the kids do like uh, a quick loop up the street with some neighbors that we know, um, and can kind of uh, do a little bit of contact tracing back if we had to. Um, <laughs> It's you know, crazy that we have to put this much thought into it, right? It really is, um, you know, especially for, you know, for kids that they just want to do trick-or-treating and, and have things back to normal. And, uh, you know, if, if more adults could act uh, like adults and not like children, uh, we would have already been able to do that. Uh, but that's a different podcast uh, that we get into <laughs> that. Um, but, you know, Dan, uh, have a safe one, man. Uh, you too. We'll talk to you next time, and uh, I'm sure I'll probably talk to you in, uh, in our Facebook group chat uh, when we hang up here. Of course. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Anytime. And, uh, you know, once again, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for stopping on.